Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody, on this special edition here on this Monday evening. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. It's Brackets Breakdown Time on Hoopsville, our special on this Monday, as we will dive into the men's and women's brackets who and what we thought of selections made and all of that jazz. I, I'm going to say this trepidatiously. If you've got questions, we'll try and answer them. We usually get a lot of questions. <laughs> you can email us, dave.mcu at d3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us on um, Twitter at d3hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Lots of ways you can uh, interact with us. We hope you'll try and take advantage of that. We love hearing from you, and we hope you'll you'll do so. Um Listen, we can always second-guess the decisions. We will continue to second-guess the decisions. That is just what we do. No surprise there. Um, we will hear from both committee chairs later in the program as they just answer our questions, essentially. They have been uh, um, nice enough to do that. It would be the, the easiest way to do it. Um, we certainly appreciate that. Uh, I think there's a lot of questions to be raised, at least on the women's side. I think at the same time, there's a lot of, of what ended up being good on the women's side. They didn't get everything right. No way, shape, and form. I'm not going to try and pretend that. Um, we have a beast in Thomas More and Trine. There is no doubting that in any way, shape, or form. But I also think they made a, an effort and went in the right direction. On the men's side, I think we have one of the best brackets we've seen in a very long time. Is it perfect? No, but within the scope of Division Three, I don't think we've seen one much better. If you're wondering, and you listened to our show last night, how did we do? If you weren't able to tabulate, I'll give you the answer. On the men's side, we missed two. We went with the winning percentages, and we selected Loris, uh, sorry, LaRoche and Center, and missed out on Ramapo and Lacrosse, if you can believe it. On the women's side, we missed three and really it came down to this the regional rankings when they finally did the final regional rankings the extra data that got changed because of that and and teams that got positioned where changed the equation i'm warning you now when we talk to the men's chair about halfway through the regional rankings will come out and part of what i talk about early is then later revealed to us um and that's where LaRoche ended up in the regional rankings. On the women's side, I don't believe the regional rankings have come out as of yet. I will double-check that now. I have I've not had time to, to fully dive into that, to be blunt. Uh, we'll see if they're out. But obviously, we talked to both chairs earlier today, and thus we didn't know on the women's side if they weren't out when we talked. I'm literally looking now. They are not updated as of yet. We hopefully will see them updated soon. So anyway... Understand some of the questions I asked Sam was without the knowledge that LaRoche, for example, was not even in a position to host. But you're going to hear a theme, too, about needing some more time. And, and that's going to be interesting. So, again, missed on the women's side by three. That's the most we've ever missed in the last, what, four some odd years that we've been doing this. Five years, six years? I've lost track. Um, so there you go. Well, well that, that's certainly going to be a, a topic of conversation, to say the least. Um on things and we'll see how it all plays out. Um, again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com and whatnot. Um, 
There's our chat board. I was trying to find the chat board on YouTube. If you've asked us a question, I've missed it. It just kind of came up for us now. I know we've gotten emails throughout the day. We've not been able to answer all of our email questions. I apologize now. We'll try and get to them. We do have a, a slate of guests tonight. Again, we'll hear from both chairs. We're going to hear from Pat Coleman here momentarily. We'll hear from both chairs at some point during the evening. We'll also hear from different teams that are in the tournament. We selected two teams on both men and women. One a team that was a surprise pick. One a team, at least based on our information, and a team that was a team that was already in. On the men's side, we'll first hear from Kent Dernbach at Lacrosse on their surprising uh, addition to the uh, tournament, I should say. And then on the team that that is in that is pretty impressive. We'll talk to Chatham men's basketball about they their fourth season getting into the NCAA tournament. On the women's side, we will talk to the surprise, that being Mount St. Mary. We'll talk to them about making the NCAA tournament. And then on the congratulations on getting in team, uh, we'll talk to Shannon Doa, who again was the eighth seed in the ODAC tournament. We'll talk to them about making the tournament there. Uh, we are simulcasting on Facebook and on uh, Periscope. You already have some people in Facebook all, all excited. Wayne says, go Wittenberg, and Robert says, go Augie. It's on, as they say. First and foremost, we always love the reactions of teams. I'm trying to figure out where I want to go first. How about Ramapo? They were one of those teams that we weren't sure how they would, uh, if they would get in. We chose that they wouldn't. Yes, Ramapo's men's basketball committee chair or uh, coach is on the national committee. Um, Chuck McBreen. He wasn't part of the selections, but he certainly had an idea of whether they'd make the tournament. His team, when you watch the beginning of the, this video, you might think his team had no confidence at all. Albertus Magnus has missed the tournament just two times in the last 10 years, the first round opponent. Ramapo and that Oh my goodness, we're in, we're in. Yes, you're in, gentlemen. Congratulations. They got in. Rosemont men knew they were going to be in the tournament, but the curiosity always is, did they, uh, you know, how well, would, you know, did, where would they think they would go? Let's see their reaction when their names got announced. Team we've already mentioned several times, I feel like, already in the show. It's Amherst, another mammoth season for the two-time national champs. We turned the tournament after missing out a year ago, fresh off as Dave alluded to that NASCAP championship. Phenomenal defense all season highlighted by the top three positions in three-point defense and rebounding margin. That means it's a tough matchup for Rosemont. subdued but still excited nonetheless of course their women's team they were knew they were going to be going into the tournament as well figured uh how did they react let's check them out who averages 15 and 13 this season Hilbert will tackle the challenge on the inside capturing the allegheny mountain Con collegiate conference for the second straight year rit is back for a third straight season the battle of baldwin wallace which gets that large birth to return to the tournament for the first time since 2015 Haverford captured the Centennial Conference crown to do battle with newcomer Rosemont. Hey! 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 Hey!
You got to wonder how long were they recording till their names got chosen or were they doing a bunch of recordings? Got to love their reactions. Then DeSales, they knew they were in two, but they probably didn't know they were hosting. They sent us their reactions to getting in. Order of the bracket remain. Slide on down. DeSales is hosting. Morgan Bermelin leads the offense. Yeah, yeah. She will lead the offense against ODAC winner Shenandoah. So they found out they were playing Shenandoah. You could see them eagerly waiting to find out how that was going to work out. Really interesting pod there at DeSales. So that's how that all broke down. We wish we could have gotten you more video. We were kind of in the weeds today on how this all went. Uh, just a short time ago, I got a chance to catch up with uh, my colleague Pat Coleman about how he thinks this all broke down. All right, so we've seen the reactions from some of the teams who are in the tournament. Some of them already knew, but they got to see their matchups. Now joining me on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk about some of these brackets, it is uh, my esteemed colleague and partner in crime to some degree, Pat Coleman. Um, Pat, thanks for taking the time. Um, first and foremost, obviously the culmination of a season and, uh, you know, it, interesting decisions across the board. We'll hear more from the committee chairs down the road, but your overall reactions. Well, first of all, I'm not admitting to any crime. I'm not admitting to a partnership of that uh, nature. You haven't read me my rights, and I demand to call my lawyer. Uh, but otherwise, <laughs> yeah, this was uh, I was pretty happy with, uh, especially with the men's bracket. I think it's a really good men's bracket. Um, you know, some of the things that I know you talked about uh, with uh, people as the season was winding down, and then uh, Ryan Scott and I worked on in our exhaustive bracketing process on Sunday night came to fruition. So it was nice to see that the committee has gotten back to uh, when you can't let Whitman host the second weekend, that you lift them out and send them somewhere interesting, that you don't just plop them into the middle of the West bracket, which has been done with teams from the West Coast previously. And it was nice just to see that they were able and willing to spend the extra flights to put three teams in a plane to get them up to uh, Washington rather than uh, send uh, Pomona Pitzer and Whitman down to Washington where you could have saved one flight and ostensibly saved some money but not had a better bracket. So overall, I really like how the bracket looks, and that was just kind of uh, one piece that's indicative of you know what this bracket is like. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm certainly – well, so let's stay with the men's side. We'll get to the women's in a bit just to stay with continuity here. I did like that the men felt very national. I said that on the national show. I've said it so far tonight. It's It's got a national feel to it. They, they, they kept a lot of the behemoths, for lack of a better description, Northwestern – or Nebraska Western, Wesleyan, Augustana, Amherst. Take your pick, whatever. They're all kind of spaced out in opposite corners – to yeah. a large degree, yes. We're going to have some tough matchups in the first weekend and second weekend, but we don't have, you know, the, the bracket of death. We don't have these behemoth games that are going to take out some of the best favorites before we're even out of the first weekend. Right, and you certainly could have, right? Nebraska, Wesleyan, and Whitman yeah. both being extremely in the western half of the country, especially as Division Three goes, uh, let alone Augustana and UW Oshkosh. And two weeks ago, we would have been saying the same thing about the University of St. Thomas. So True. it was nice to see that you set up a bracket where you could have 
Whitman in the upper left-hand bracket, and you could have Nebraska Wesleyan in the upper right-hand bracket, and then Augustana could come out of the lower left, lower right-hand bracket. And then, you know, if you have uh, Amherst or Randolph-Macon or something like that out of that other bracket, you've got a really good Final Four. And to get that uh, Final Four at the kind of crossroads of basketball and the crossroads of Division Three in Fort Wayne, Indiana for the first Final Four there, I'd be super happy to see some combination of that. And I, I bet they would be too. Yeah, and it's it it just shows that the committee's trying to look at it from a national point of view, and 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 be as creative as as the budget allows them. But as as we'll talk with Sam Atkinson later too, we also interestingly enough, Pat, in the second weekend, aren't necessarily going to be hosted at the top ranked teams. There may be a lot of geographic decisions to allow that national um, tournament to take place. Yeah, and that's one of the things that uh, Ryan and I were looking at, too, as we were bracketing last night for our mock bracket is try to find a way that, you know, you can have four pods and have two or three or four possible hosts that could advance out of it that could then host them. So, like, let's take the uh, top right as an example. You've got uh, Nebraska Wesleyan or, you know, even if it's uh, St. Thomas or UW lacrosse out of there. Um, Guilford, if they come out, that's kind of a... Uh, that's kind of a uh, outlier geographically. Uh, Oshkosh can't host the first weekend, but if they survive, they could host the second. And that's a semi-central-ish location. I'm not sure if Wittenberg can get there, but uh, if North Central came out uh, and advanced out of Chicago, that's a very central location in Division Three or Loris for that matter. There's a lot of places that you could put all of those teams without putting a bunch of them in airplanes. Um, if you're a Nebraska Wesleyan fan and you want to host then you have to kind of root for Guilford or Sewanee or Emory, someone from way out of the footprint to advance. Uh, and then, you know, everybody else being really close in like St. John's or Oshkosh uh, or North Central or Loris. Yeah. Well, it makes, it makes for some interesting, you know, conversation, but it also makes for some wide open. Um, Sam's going to break down the, the, the numbers of all the different pods and how they broke down, but a lot of creativity kind of went into this. Yeah. We can start nitpicking on a lot of things, um, but we're seeing more and more from the men's committee this idea of, again, a national tournament, as much variety as they possibly can, teams that are not necessarily in the same regions playing each other. Yeah. Um, it, it, heck, Maryville's at Marietta with New Jersey City and Arcadia. Yes, Arcadia, New Jersey City, technically neighbors, but from two different regions. So you've got four regions in Maryville or Marietta. That's how, that, that stuff's fun. Yeah, and you know, if you're building a bracket in Division Three in just about any sport, but especially in basketball and very much especially in men's basketball, you have to take teams from the East and you have to move them West. There are so many teams in the Eastern half of Division Three that make this tournament because there's so many automatic qualifiers out of New England, especially, but also you know elsewhere on the East Coast. So you are trying to get as many teams out of New Jersey or out of uh, New York or out of the Philadelphia area and send them to Ohio. And, you know, we're fortunate this year that we had uh, two hosts uh, available from Ohio in uh, Worcester and in Marietta. Um, and, you know, Wittenberg typically would be a host too. I, uh, you know, sometimes you... Sometimes people drop the ball. That's a but that's a place where you really want to send people if you're uh, if you're doing bracketing. That's a, a place where you can get schools somewhere within 500 miles. And I, I really like to see New Jersey City at Marietta, uh, like we saw Gwinnett Mercy at Marietta several years ago, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, right. Great example. Uh, yeah, I, I I like that mixture of teams. Now, yeah, we can talk about some hosts. Oshkosh 
and Amherst clearly would have hosted, but the women took priority there. Uh, as they do in odd years, in, in the next weekend, if it's relevant, it, it will go the men's way. Uh, but we also can read between the lines. It's not really between the lines at this point, as we've seen the right. men's regional rankings come out. Yeah. You know, Wittenberg's an, a number one, but they're being sent to Guilford. Granted, you could make an argument that that's just a good geographic game, period. But you also could have sent somebody else instead of Wittenberg. Right. Um, it, it clearly, some people didn't get their paperwork in would for whatever reason, and maybe they have their reasons, but it, some of that is part of this bracketing. Yeah, exactly. And if you, you know, that's the thing that we don't get to do or know in mock bracketing. Right. We can't just go and say, hey, we're going to presume for purposes <laughs> of this exercise that such and such team can't host. Hey, we could put them over here where it's much more uh, manageable. <laughs> uh, we actually did do that in our mock women's bracket uh, and it was helpful to us. Um, yeah, it is just, uh, it, it's just kind of the way it is. But this men's bracket, uh, is a lot like they've been for the last decade. You cited a really good example of a, a pod that had, uh, you know, multiple teams in it from multiple different places. Um, you know, that's not uh, the only one, right? Like Hamilton oh. of the East, Moravian of the Mid-Atlantic, Keene State of New England, and Penn State Barron of the Great Lakes. Uh, just like a great combination. And the, the men's uh, bracketology has really done a good job of trying to make sure that that happens and give this tournament as much of a national feel like, as you said, Dave, uh, while staying within the budget and thankful to see that the budget allowed for maybe just a small amount extra. I don't know. Yeah. North Central, Chatham, Loris, Albion. I mean, yeah. Awesome. It's another great one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chatham and Albion are both great lakes, but shoot, uh, you can get Pittsburgh. You can get Pittsburgh to Chicago under 500 miles. Right. And that's awesome. Yeah. I always think of Chatham being so far east. They're almost an East region, so that's where my mind is because they don't necessarily cross paths. Yeah. But, you know, at, at Worcester, it's going to be Baruch, Wheaton, and Hanover. Yes, two great lakes there, but Baruch and Wheaton playing Hanover and Worcester. I mean, it, just creativity upon creativity, and it's fun to see. Uh, we'll talk to the men's committee chair about the selections and all that stuff. Obviously, the choice of lacrosse being foremost, but we'll wait for the men's committee chair to talk about that. Let's switch to the women's bracket, and I feel like the women – had start to feel like they're getting a national point of view. They've got the three NESCACs, you know, separated. They've got some of the behemoths and Thomas Moore and St. Thomas, and you can go through a, away from each other. But then sometimes microly, like when they start getting into the smaller side of things, they lose track of that. We can certainly point to some odd, odd ones. The, the, the elephant in the room is Thomas Moore trying. Yeah. Um, I, we'll hear from Karen Harvey later. I, I feel like this one just got somehow missed, and, and I don't, I don't know how it got missed, but it got missed. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think that uh, partially one of the things here is a kind of a continuation of something that uh, I think we've observed for several years, even more than several years in the women's committee. In that, I don't think they value the MIAA the same way that we do. Uh, the the MIAA. Uh, High, the highest seeded teams in the MIAA and the Great Lakes region rankings are almost always below somebody else who has a similar record or even a slightly uh, worse record. And, and I don't quite understand why. And, uh, you know, the fact that Trine is the champion of the MIAA is probably even more confusing to them. Um, I'm going to relate a story that, uh, uh, that Gordon Mann mentioned about mm -hmm. uh, something where he had talked with a women's committee member uh, at a final four uh, enough years ago that it's probably a different committee member now, but it's really indicative in that he said, or she, I guess I don't know, that uh, didn't know that Hope and Calvin were in the same conference. Hope and Calvin, Hope yeah. and Calvin for goodness yeah. sake. 
Like, yeah. It's not just like you don't know that uh, Albion and Alma are in the same conference. Sure. These are, you know, this is one of the premier rivalries in Division Three. It's like not knowing that Amherst and Williams are in the same conference um, or St. Thomas and St. John's. That just seems unconscionable for a committee member. And, you know, that just uh, it's always kind of been like that. Uh, so it's really disheartening to me to see that uh, Trine, who is probably going to be the number four team in the country when our final uh, regular season poll comes out, and Thomas Moore, who, uh, spoiler alert, is definitely going to be the number one team in the country. <laughs> that uh, Yeah, sorry, Gordon. I just uh, I just spoiled the poll. I don't know when you're releasing it. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that these two teams could meet in the second round of the yeah. tournament. This is ridiculous. This is – and they're both in the same – they're both in the same region. They're both in the Great Lakes region. This is what we have to get away from. You have to know where these teams are on the map in Division Three. You have to know geography well. Um, I'm going to spin this into something else, so I apologize for monopolizing the, right. the, the, these minutes of your show here. But uh, you know, uh, people who follow Ryan Scott, who is our mm -hmm. ATN columnist around the nation and our, uh, one of our big bracketology guys, people who follow him know that he is uh, a big map guy, right? He uh, and a couple of friends of his uh, tried to set the uh, record for the quickest drive through the 48 contiguous states uh, mm -hmm. this past summer. And, you know, that's just kind of indicative of uh, maps are one of his things. Uh, and, you know, even he, as he and I were doing this last night, it's like, you know, in the women's bracket, we're trying to give a pod to Trine and we're trying to give a pod to Transylvania and we're trying to give a pod to DePauw because, you know, we don't have the Ohio hosts like we just talked about on the men's bracket, We but we do have Indiana hosts. And so there's still a possibility of getting some of those teams out of the East region and out of the Eastern part of the country to go there. I think we had a pod that had like, um, I might have had Trine hosting like both RIT and hmm. like Geneseo or something like that. Uh, something like that was possible, but you have to know the map in order to be able to do that. The committee members have access to better software than we do, um, but you know you just have to innately know this stuff. You got to know geography in order to put together a good bracket. And I wonder if that's part of what this issue was—that they didn't understand where Trine sits and that you could put teams at Trine, let alone not understanding that you put you know two of your top three teams in your own Great Lakes region rankings in the same weekend. It's a fair point. Uh, you know, you look down at, at, at Haverford, um, Rosemont, uh, one I missed on the national show because my brain just wasn't there, but they're two and a half miles or so away yeah. from each other, campus sure. to campus. They could probably get on an Amtrak train together and head up to Boston to take on Tufts, where they'll play each other before taking on Tufts. And there, a simple fix would have been putting um, Western New England over and, and switching them with, with probably Rosemont, and it, and it solves that problem. But again, it's one of these things where sometimes you look at it and go, why are they? But then, Pat, as much as we, we harp on that, then I look at a, at a mix-up of at the sales, we're going to have Shenandoah, John Carroll, and Middlebury. Right. That's what I sometimes see and go, oh, they're figuring this out. And then I see right below that, MIT, St. Joseph's, Ithaca, SUNY IT. I'm like, or not. And I, I know it's yeah. complicated. There's a lot of teams. It's not going to be perfect. <laughs> I just think when you see a St. Thomas trying or you see that pattern repeated, Gettysburg, Christopher Newport, um, Vassar, Geneseo, when you see the pattern repeated a number of times, right? even Illinois Wesleyan, Wisconsin Lutheran, to a, a, a somewhat of a degree. It just feels like sometimes they're just not quite getting it all the way there. And, you know, more time could be spent in bracketing for sure. You, you got to yes. spend, 
as much time in figuring out how you match these teams up as you do in selected them, if not more, um, in order to do this well. We always start now, because of the way that we talked about that the men's committee has done this for a while, we now start from the default of, okay, I've got my number one team, and then I'm going to take my number four team for this pod, because that's usually the easiest part to figure out. Then my two and my three, it's like, where, how far can I grab them from and pull them right. into the middle, right? right. Um, it, try to start from the default state of always having at least three teams or three different regions represented in a pod. And then once it's done, it's like, we kind of look at it again. It's like, well, you know, maybe team X and team Y, could we do better? Can we do right. better and just switch teams on the two line from one pod to another and make things better? Uh, you know, in this case, you got uh, you got so many NESCAC teams and you had so many NESCAC teams uh, hosting. Um, in this case, that makes it a little easier. But sometimes you're trying to separate those teams and it makes right. it difficult because they're all packed together in New England. And the women's bracket too, you know, they kind of select their teams a little differently than the men do. And we've, we've talked about hmm. it. Uh, recently, but we'll talk about it again, in that they spread around their at-large teams, maybe even intentionally. Um, I you know, thought of that. Uh, that it looks like. I, I look this year at uh, the selection of Mount St. Mary, for example. Uh, the Mount St. Mary, with the resume they have, the men's committee would never select them. The men's committee basically had the opportunity to select a, a team very much like Mount St. Mary True. and chose not to this year. In True. fact, had had two opportunities to do it and did not. But uh, but the women did. And so often they end up with an extra team in the Atlantic or an extra yeah. team in the East, which makes it even more difficult to do that thing where you try to spread things around. Because then you've got you've got Ithaca and you've got um, uh, RIT and you've got all of those right. New England teams, of yeah. course. Oh, gosh. And yeah. an extra team in, an extra team in uh, Newburgh, New York, which is north of whatever the Tappan Zee Bridge is called now. Um, <laughs> I don't Cuomo know. Cuomo Bridge, I think. Yeah, that, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, still going to be Tappan Zee. Yeah, it is to me too, clearly. Um, so that's a, that's a lot of teams clustered in a very small area. And it is difficult to pull teams out of really deep in New England. Sure. Uh, we have St. Joe's of Maine. We have uh, Husson. We have Bowdoin. Uh, you know, it's hard to pull those teams and put them anywhere else. So you do cluster a little bit. But even so, there were opportunities to do this more creatively and better. And I hope that somewhere that they are going to take this back and you know in the next couple of years continue to do mock brackets and do mock brackets of their own selections do a mock selection because that's how we got to where we are by doing this for 20 years across you know three sports very actively doing mock brackets um you know a, a committee member is only on for a handful of years so right. you got to practice and the men talked to us very actively a few years ago about how they practice mock bracketing and you gotta you gotta do that in order to do it better you gotta do better yeah, I agree. Again, I, I like some aspects of this women's bracket because they are trying to have a national feel. They split the NESCACs up. They, they're trying to keep some of the behemoths away from each other. They just, it's yeah. like they start with the plan, but as the night went on, it went sideways on them. And, and you talked about more time on it. You know, that can get to our conversation about games on Sundays. And, and I know that certain conferences take pride in having games on Sundays, Pat. But this is getting, you know, AMCC literally ran out of time. Right. You know, they, you know the, the, they were at a point where they nearly had to just give a team without playing a game in both championships. Right. And then you've got others who are playing so late that the committees aren't truly getting a chance to start working until later and later. Now that timeline scrunched down. So at some point they start bracketing. At some point they have to stop. Right. And so it's, we got to yeah. fix this Sunday thing. And, and I know there's conferences out there who just scoff at the idea, but 
either play your games earlier on Sunday and just have a mass start at one, or we got to move games back to Saturday. Well, I'm sure that the AMCC will probably take this into consideration for next year, right? I, I, I think that, yeah, you got to think that um, you're just kind of endangering your own uh, at-large chances. I know that that has been proffered. We have proffered that and it's been scoffed at by people, but it is true. It is um, true. The MIAC moved its uh, women's, uh, or not its women's. They they alternate. Uh, they used to alternate one wood final on Saturday, one wood final on Sunday. Uh, they moved off of Sunday. Uh, didn't the Centennial Conference move off of yep. Sunday also? Now, obviously, some did. Uh, some did because of weather. Some did because of choice. But uh, I think there's plenty of opportunities. If you're um, if you're a conference of, you know, not Ivy League schools, I think it's okay to pull your kids out of class. On a yeah, Friday, I agree. It's it's fine to do this. Play your things on Friday and Saturday. Most people do. You're playing Friday and Saturday in the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, you're not playing on Sunday in the course of your regular conference schedule. No. I'm pretty sure. Well, and, and to, to further that, but without going too further into it, you also, if you have to, can now play on Sunday because something happened on Saturday, right? And and, and play that one o'clock game. Fine. Listen, I understand that Sunday games may have to take place in certain scenarios. My problem is the fact that the games are getting later and later. AMCC was scheduled to tip at 4 o'clock. Yeah. That is literally the last opportunity because your deadline is 6 o'clock. So, right. Imagine if you'd gone to multiple overtimes. Right. You know, <laughs> let, alone the, let alone the weather delay. Right. So it, to some degree, anyway, we'll talk more about this in the, in the future. We'll never know where it goes. But I can tell you, we hear it from committee members every year. It drives yeah. them crazy. And again, maybe it gives them more time to do a better bracket. Yeah, it would be helpful. Any anytime you can give more time to you know actual fallible human beings who are trying to do the best job they can, right. I think that's helpful. Um, Connor Flegel with a tweet that I love. Can't imagine how many quote yes, but why wasn't insert team here included in the tournament when they did insert numbers here? Messages <laughs> that you, I, and the rest of the staff have received today. He fouls it up. So I go get some cold brews, lads. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting day to say the least. A lot of people also finally understand how this all works, Pat. On today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that sounds like it needs to turn into like a some sort of Twitter auto generator thing. Here's your database of schools on the bubble and here's your database entry that has their criteria oh. and then you're kind of just generally selecting from column a and column b to create angry tweets uh, directed at d3 hoopsville and That's at d3 hoops Don't i think them. that i think that has to happen as far as uh, cold brews go uh i am leaving uh uh checks notes 20 minutes ago to uh go to the uh Gilardi trophy ceremony dave did you uh that i am not hosting and you are not producing oh so, good because i'm not gonna make it Thank goodness for that. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, because it didn't happen down at the uh, at no. the big football thing down in Texas this year, uh, St. John's is awarding it uh, this evening. So I will be spending my selection Monday evening. I will, since I don't have to produce a show or, or host a show, I mean, uh, I'll have a cold brew. So I'll be thinking of something, maybe even of you. I might, I'll text you. I'll text you a photo. I might have had one while this segment was airing on the show. The first time or the second time? fair well I'm i guess sure. it only Good trick question i guess it only aired <laughs> once but full disclosure we've recorded it twice i think yeah. the second one's going better though yeah, it is going a lot better <laughs> uh pat i appreciate the time as always appreciate the intel uh and your or insight i should say from your vantage point look forward to talking to you down the road uh any final thoughts you want to share with those who who again may be seeing this for the first time 
<laughs> unlike you and I. Right. Uh, I would say this, uh, you know, it's a it's a busy week on D3Hoops.com. We're going to have our uh, tournament previews. I've already received the men's tournament preview. Yeah, that's uh, just nuts. <laughs> from Ryan Scott, which is usually something I would have to write on like Thursday night because it's like, oh crap, I've been so busy all week. Right. I haven't written it yet. We've got other feature stories lined up. Uh, you know, Dave has more show to do here uh, and we will have uh, all sorts of other things. So stick on the site with us. And then we will have links to all the broadcasts. And you guys are going to do whip, whip Around, right? Hashtag Whip Around, baby. So we'll Whip Around. He'll tell you more about that later in the show if he hasn't told you already before I got on. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And if you see, perchance, uh, an advertisement on the site uh, for the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship, the so-called Final Four uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and you're at all interested in knowing more about that, click on that ad. That'd be great. That would be perfect. Pat, appreciate it. Enjoy. Say hello to everybody at St. John's who are obviously happy they're going to be hosting, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds good. He is Pat Coleman from D3Hoops.com here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Thank Pat for joining me earlier today, literally not that long ago, <laughs> before you had to take off. Yeah, we had to record that twice. We're exhausted, plain and simple. Um, appreciate Pat coming on. we got to keep moving with the show. We will try and answer questions, whether we get them via email or Twitter or whatever. Um, and we'll try and answer them on the air. But first and foremost, take a break. When we come back, Sam Atkinson joins me. We also talked earlier today. He's the Men's Basketball Committee Chair. We talk about the selections that were made and the bracket that they put together. See what his opinions are and what our questions are. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. For the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoopsville after this. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship marks 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, 
or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this bracket special, brackets breakdown special, we should say. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, dave.mcue at d3sports.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show, and a number of you in there. Appreciate you taking the time. All right, so as a tradition is on this show, when we get the brackets out, we also talk to the committee chairs. We talked to both chairs earlier today. We're going to start with the men. Um, as they put together the bracket that came out first. After that, a little bit later, we're going to, after the interview we have coming up, just a heads up, we will talk to lacrosse men's basketball coach Kent Dernbach. And of course, from Chatham, we'll talk to Dave Richards about their NCAA tournament berths. But in the meantime, I talked earlier today with Sam Atkinson from ab about the bracket and the selections they put together. Now, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head of the men's basketball committee and associate athletics director for communications at Gallaudet University. It is Sam Atkinson, sir. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, Dave. Good to be with you. I appreciate it. Um, first and foremost, let's just give everybody kind of a, a, an understanding of how Sunday went for you guys. Sure. Well, first, I, I have the luxury to be out here in Indianapolis with our NCAA liaison and being able being able to be in the same room with Alex Morlero was uh, key for us this year and understanding um, with the calls and the bracketing it was great being in the same room uh, having those discussions with our national committee members but the day started early it was um, usually a 9 a.m. call with each different regions racks uh, we went through the we went through those racks and regions there and then at 11 o'clock, the National Committee got on a call, and for several hours, we went through each region like we've been doing the previous weeks. Um, we usually take a pause there because there's 10 other conference championship games going on that afternoon. Every region was, was impacted except for the West region, but even if a team comes into a new uh, regional rankings at, at the end, that can still impact the team. So, um, and they, Later in the afternoon, after the conference championships were over, we went back through uh, each region uh, one final time to make sure everything was set before moving forward into bracketing and selections. When you guys, of course, you had the curveball, and that was the AMCC, where power outage due to high winds uh, dramatically delayed the men's game and even delayed the women's game before that. You guys were asked, as I was understood, maybe an extension. Um, how did you guys handle that? Because this is now so far later than we ever are used to. It's already late to begin with in general for on a Sunday. Now we're getting even later. How did you guys right. deal with a team there? Because, again, as you kind of hinted it, 
it adds a team maybe to the Pool C conversation, as we know, in LaRoche, or it could affect other pieces of data. Correct. And the Allegheny Mountain Collegiate Conference was supposed to tip. It was the latest tip of all the 10 conference championships at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And the deadline usually for every conference they submit is 6 p.m. Um, so the na national committees can start going through selections and bracketing. We were alerted to what was going on at uh, La Roche with the power outage in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, high winds have been coming across the Midwest um, all weekend long. So we understand, you know, stuff, stuff like this happens. Um, and it was out of their control, and they were communicating with NCAA the entire afternoon as we were trying to uh, see the status of that game and if it was going to be able to be played. I know that conference, AMCC, had a backup plan through their conference bylaws. They you know, have a solution if they weren't able to play that game. Um, but we were able to give them an, an extension on, on you know, when they could finish that game. But definitely through a curveball for us is far as being the last conference championship and, you know, not getting done on, until close to 8 o'clock. I'm kind of um, – go ahead. Quick question. i got a curiosity about it, Sam, and it's a hypothetical that maybe you don't have an answer to, but you said that the deadline 6 o'clock, AMCC was supposed to tip at 4. Now they're pushed to 8, and they're tipping at just about 6. Mm -hmm. If their game goes to overtime, and, and you know basketball games as well as I do as being a sports information guy – and that game goes past those deadlines, whether it was the first one at 6 anyway or this new one you said at 8 o'clock. Could the outcome of that game effectively mean nothing? No, and I think, you know, once the, we knew that the game was going to tip, we wanted to see that game through no matter how long it would take. Um, you know, we, we don't want to penalize the conference in that regard. Uh, but I think one thing that we've touched on before, Dave, is this idea of trying to eliminate as many of these Sunday conference championship games to really give the national committees, men's and women's um, basketball committees, enough time to really digest everything and make sure the rankings are correct for the regions, and then going into selections and bracketing. You know, you, we were starting to run out of time uh, last night, you know, due to that. But um, again, I think it's another argument for trying to reduce those amount of Sunday conference championship games. And well, you come from a conference that has had a Sunday championship game in the NEAC. Can you, can you give us any insight on, on the reasons for that and, and the reasons they, that conferences stick with it? I think, you know, it's, it's a conference decision. I, I can't speak for a certain conference to that regard. But I know, you know, from my own experience, you know, being in the NEAC or even at the CAC level in the past, it's just the idea that I think for some it's just a reduced amount of missed class time and playing those semifinals and finals on a Saturday, Sunday, um, but, you know, a lot of those teams are going to win um, their conference championship and go to the NCAA tournament are going to be playing Friday, Saturday. So, you know, I think there's ways around it. I think, you know, to, for some conferences are probably doing a disservice to themselves by playing so late that, you know, it takes us longer as a national committee to go through everything. What time did you guys end up wrapping things up? We were able to get the, the national committee uh, off, off the call by 11 o'clock. Uh, last night, um, myself and Alex spent extra time afterwards just trying to go through details and looking through every, all the final pieces here. And then as a national committee, we got back on a call early this morning uh, to give you know, one final look at the bracket before it got released um, at 1230 today. 
Talking with Sam Atkinson here, head of the men's basketball committee. Uh, obviously, you guys relook at things in the morning with a fresh set of eyes. Of course, you guys have the least amount of time, interestingly enough, before it has to be out. So in, in essence, you had the shortest time frame because you guys got the latest start on things technically with the AMCUC wrapping up so late. And then right. you had to get your bracket in in the earliest amount of time because you're the first bracket to come out of the gate, as it were, for the NCAA. Uh, so that time frame's got to be frustrating to some degree. Yeah, and, and I really do think, you know, if we had more time, we could really go back through everything and if, if a fine-tooth comb and it might be changes here or there. And But I think as a national committee, we're really proud of what we're able to accomplish and put together. Um, I think, you know, looking at the, our bracket here, it's, it is very diverse uh, with different regions being represented in different pods and trying to stretch uh, the amount of travel as much as possible for teams to really have a full you know, NCAA tournament feel to it. Um, so we're really proud of what we were able to put together. And, 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 you know, I'm thankful for our other members of the National Committee for all their help on this. Talking certainly about the regions, you guys have to kind of adjust uh, rankings throughout the day. How much did you guys have in place? How much had to change throughout the day? How much were you tweaking what the racks had already given you? Yeah, as I alluded to earlier, you know, the racks, their, their last time looking at it was, this, was Sunday morning when they handed it off to the National Committee at 11 a.m. Um, we went through it, and then, of course, we had to wait and see what happened with the conference championships and then had to review it again. And then we had to uh, review it one more time after the AMCC um, tournament finished, uh, close to 8 p.m., and we have to, you know, make sure we push the data to make sure everything is fresh and, and looks right and all the wins are reflected properly. So it's at least three to four revisions of the regional rankings before they're finalized. Was there anything that you guys looked at and saw this could potentially be problematic for the region? You know, whether there was a team that could block others or you needed to adjust or is or is almost a scenario of, hey, you know, this looks good regionally wise, but nationally wise, maybe the order should be a different way because that will better represent when it, when that team comes to the table or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, as, as a national committee and even as our racks, we've been consistent with how we've been evaluating our teams this year. And I think, you know, we, we followed that yesterday as well with our regional rankings. You know, I don't think it's, you know, once we get to selections and in the selection Sundays and bracketing, I don't think that's the time for us that could change the way we've been doing things and position teams a certain way. You know, we followed what we've been doing. We were consistent with it. And, you know, you could see probably that there were teams that ended up blocking others, but also we weren't going to penalize a team uh, if, if they had met the criteria um, better than another team. An interesting scenario came up. We missed two teams, which is about average for us. Uh, it gets down to the nitty-gritty. We don't have as much information on our computer screens as you guys do. <laughs> um, but we went with two higher win-loss uh, percentage teams in center and LaRoche. Not in that order. It was actually LaRoche than center. You guys mm -hmm. ended up, and I don't know what the order was, but the miss we had was in Ramapo. It certainly had a beefy resume all in all. And lacrosse, which really has a lot of people surprised because I think a lot of people thought – Lacrosse would stay behind Stevens Point in the regional rankings, and obviously without Stevens Point in, Lacrosse didn't. They they somehow moved ahead of them, despite right. you know despite last week's results. 
Can you give us a little bit of insight as to you always spoke about on this show, you, you emphasize it every time we talked about yep. the entire resume, which we totally understand. But it also still feels like that SOS number and that, hey, you play a big record you know, or big schedule, you can, you can handle a lot of losses versus you don't play a really good schedule, you can't take any losses, conversation is still taking place. Sure. And I'm not sure which teams you want me to handle first. On well, this, let's start but... with the easy one. Let's go with Ramapo. <laughs> sure. Well, Ramapo, and, and to speak to that, you know, as far as the criteria, we mentioned countless times during our interviews the five primary criteria that we are looking at, then the, non -sec uh, the secondary criteria. And I, I think uh, it was a great point brought up earlier last week on the national committee call um, prepping for this weekend and one of the committee members had mentioned, when we really look at teams from different regions, we really need to dive into who they beat with those division-ranked opponent results. Uh, we, we can't just assume a team from a certain region is the same as another team from another region. Um, I think when we're doing regional rankings, it's, you know, the comparison's a little bit easier because all those teams are from the same region. Um, so I think that's important to, to stress to your viewers uh, when we're looking at those res results versus uh, ranked opponents. Uh, with Ramapo's case, they were 18 and 9, um, 667 win-loss win percentage. Again, there is not a certain uh, number that a team needs to hit, either win-loss or SOS. Um, but their SOS number was a .570. They were 8 and 5 in results versus um, ranked opponents. Three and three versus top 50, and seven and six in versus top 100. Uh, so I think for Ramapo's case, you know, they had that advantage when you're looking at the results versus ranked opponents for them. When you and, and be honest with you, Ramapo was one of the teams we were debating, uh, mm -hmm. and, and and we really it came down to okay, do we go with the beastie? You know, schedule, or are we going to pretend? Imagine maybe the committee's going to look at the win loss of LaRoche sure. and center and go. And so we, we I, I can understand the Ramapo. To be blunt, the, the lacrosse one jumps out at me um, right. because I feel like lacrosse is almost even further to the extreme to some degree. Um, and, and it's not against them, but they took a lot of losses and right. didn't really necessarily improve themselves last week. Whereas, interesting enough, you know, if I were to argue, Stevens Point did. Um, right. How do you guys come to that resolution with lacrosse? And again, I'm sure you're going to be questioned by those who say, geez, our team won 24 out of 27 games. Their SOS is above 500, and you're going with a team who lost a heck of a lot more than we did. How, how do you balance those debates, with, and, and how do you end up with a team like lacrosse? Sure, Dave. Um, I think it's important for everybody to understand, too, with the Division Three selections, it's not like we're looking at just an entire pool of teams. We are looking at our uh, next ranked team that's on the board from each region. So that's one team from eight different regions. And, you know, I think it, it does play, play into when a team comes on the board. I think you can, you know, take a team and compare it to another team, and you compare it to another team, you might get a different result. Um, so I think it's, you know, timing of when a team comes on the board um, in this case, you know, and, and these are all really good teams, and a lot of teams uh, deserve a chance to get in, and we're only limited to 20 for that large positions. But I think in the case of lacrosse, um, lacrosse was 
ranked higher than Stevens Point in the central, final central region rankings. Um, Lacrosse is 2-0 and in a head-to-head -head against um, Stevens Point. They're 17 and nine. Um, the thing, the big thing with lacrosse is the quality of their wins. They are seven and four versus top 50 teams. Uh, their best win was against Oshkosh. They had five um, division ranked opponent wins, and overall they're nine and four versus the top 100. So, you know, I understand the benefit of, of lacrosse from the WIAC and who they play. Um, you know, Roche had an excellent season. They were 24-3, and three, um, but to be honest, they never got to the table once they lost their conference Interesting. Uh, championship. So they got buried behind somebody else. Correct. That's good to know. Um, we didn't make that move because we thought everything being equal, that that, that that wouldn't have changed, but it's mm -hmm. good to know that it would have. I'm curious, though, because lacrosse now fits into somewhat of the same category as Oshkosh from a couple of years ago, below that 667 line. At some point, shouldn't there be a conversation, and I'm just curious, that, listen, sure. you can't even win two-thirds of your games. And it right. feels like at some point there's got to be a factor of going, great, you've got a wonderful schedule here. But sure. you, you, you also didn't necessarily win against it. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, another topic that we've discussed a lot recently in NCAA Division Three basketball is, is the parity. And, and there are so many more teams now uh, especially if you look at the teams in, in, in this field that have, you know, four, five, six, seven losses on the season uh, because of the non their non-conference and who they play. Um, so I, I still don't think we should be encouraging coaches to go out and schedule soft and, and try to have a gaudy 26-1 and record. Um, and, and, you know, to me, I think it, it, it does matter uh, – you know, who you play and the, and the quality of the wins in the end. And, you know, when you're looking at eight teams on the table you know, from different regions, it, it's important to follow all the criteria and looking at you know, the, you know, who you played and how the SOS and the win-loss all balance out and, and, and work together. But at the same time, you could also argue we don't want to encourage teams to just go out there and schedule behemoths and then not worry about necessarily having a successful sure. record against that. And I feel like twice now we've gotten that kind of argument back. Oh, right. it didn't matter that they lost nine games and only won 17 because they right. played the best teams in the country. They're clearly one of the best teams in the country. Is that, right. It's not necessarily an accurate statement. No, and, and, and I see where you're coming from, and, and I get that. Um, and I think you can still look at lacrosse's complete body of work, and that's something you know, I've been stressing this year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, nine and four versus the top 100. When you have uh, Laroche at two and two versus top 100 and 0 and one against top 50, uh, they did play one game at Marietta, and their non-conference SOS, you know, reflected that. But you know, I think in uh, Laroche's case, you know, with not having those other quality uh, wins, you know, they had the opportunity to win their conference on Sunday. Um, and unfortunately, they weren't able to win it. I don't want to belabor the point, but you bring up something that I can already hear. Again, we're pre-taping this segment, but I can already hear the tweets hitting me uh, with this or the message boards or wherever they're hearing this. Um, where does the top 550, top 100 fit in the criteria in your guys' opinion? It, that goes back to the division-ranked opponents. You know, it, we mentioned earlier in the interview that you know, you can't just say a team has six division-ranked opponents and move on. You mean uh, you're talking about the results versus regionally-ranked opponents part? 
Correct. Okay. So, again, I think it's important to stress that when you're looking at eight different teams from eight different regions, those three wins in one region might be a lot different than three wins in a different region. Yes. And I think that's, you know, as a committee, we, you know, that's where we dive into the data and, and the resume of these teams and you look at who they beat. Um, I think that's important. And, you know, you know, I think that's reflected with how lacrosse, you know, was, was selected. Just quickly, what is the 50 and 100? What is that top based on? What, 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 inf- you know, is that based on the SOS numbers? Is that based, you know, is that based on um, taking all the rankings and putting everybody and how they would have, how they would have panned out against each other? I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where you guys determine that just for informational reasons. Yeah. And, you know, we have access to the NCAA score reporting website. And when we click on each team, there is a team sheet that we see, and it breaks down top 50, top 51 to 100, top 51 to 100, you know, plus. So we were able to see that data, okay. and that's how we look at that. Okay. I'm just curious where it was coming from, and for those who I know will be asking the question, I just want to make sure we, we covered it. Sure. So obviously lacrosse, lacrosse is in, um, which I surprised some, but it, that's what it is. We've got our bracket now. We're done and dusted. That's where we're headed. Uh, overall, what I know I asked you this for the Sunday show, but now after the fact, it's an easier question to ask her, ask you. Well, overall, what was your purpose? What was the overall goal with this bracket? My initial feeling was you definitely were conscious of who the behemoths and the top teams in the country were and tried to keep them away from each other. Yeah, and I feel like our, our committee and, you know, even through our racks too, like we have a pretty good pulse of what's going on with Division Three basketball and looking at our bracket and the way things laid out, you know, Whitman, Nebraska Wesleyan, Augustana, Amherst have all had excellent seasons and trying to keep, you know, when you have a West region and also um, a Central that's been really deep this year, like trying to keep those regions apart is difficult because of our limitations with uh, geography and, and travel. Uh, but I think we had an opportunity with the Whitman pod um, to be able to fly three teams to Walla Walla, Washington, and then be able to you know, position Whitman in a different part of the bracket so they wouldn't have to go see a Nebraska Wesleyan or an Augustana if teams advance you know, in the sectional round. Uh, you just wanted to say Walla Walla on the broadcast. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that easy. <laughs> Walla Walla, Washington. I can do it very easily. What's your problem? At least the school doesn't have a wa. It's a wi. There um, you go. We should, again, say we're, we're talking regional rankings, by the way, have been posted. So that is awesome. So people can get a lot of these answers already seeing them ahead of time. All right. So the bracket, very balanced. I felt that this committee has progressively moved towards being as balanced as they can nationally. However, you also have the hurdles of it's an odd number of years. So the women have priority in the first weekend. And we always know this comes up. Last year was all of the Texas teams. You probably ran into some who didn't put their hosting papers in, I suspect. How many curveballs were you thrown once you were ready to go at it? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> well, what do you expect I'm going to do here? <laughs> no, I, I understand, Dave. I understand. Um, there's lots to unpack. But, you know, a couple things to touch on first was the idea of looking at our bracket and, and what we have and our guidelines. We wanted to make this as, as, as national a feel as possible. And I think the last couple of years we've been able to do so. And we're really trying to stretch the 500 miles distance and really trying to um, have different regions meet up and, ha- and seeing different matchups. You know, I think that's exciting for fans of Division Three basketball. 
I don't think a lot of people want to see the same teams over and over. Uh, so to challenge, you know, all the teams in the field to have a, a, a good experience, but also a new experience. Uh, but if you look at our pods, you know, with our 16 different pods, four of the pods have four regions represented in it, and six pods have three regions or more represented in it. So um, total 10 out of 16 have three regions or more represented. Um, and the other thing too, you know, we have 39 schools that will be traveling 200 miles or more, 17 traveling 400 miles or more. So we really stretched it as far as we could. Um, and I think as a committee, we went through, you know, six different revisions of the bracket from, you know, Sunday into Monday today. Uh, so I think that's important. I think we really, you know, went through as best we could before time ran out. Um, we wanted to make sure that went back and looked at the last five years of tournament brackets and making sure there wouldn't be any repeats of matchups. And we, we did the best we can. And as you mentioned, there are certain areas and certain schools where it's just tough to complete, completely um, diversify. Uh, but we, I think you know this is a bracket that we're really proud of, and we put a lot of work into. And I hope uh, fans of basketball enjoy it too. Uh, I added you yeah, a little bit of a of a, a the question of who you know did you get curveballs about hosting? I think one that's going to jump sure. out at people is Wittenberg's the number one team in the Great Lakes region. They aren't hosting. Yeah, I I think we can put two and two together. Uh, yeah, let me address the, the, that and also the Amherst and, and Oshkosh. I, I think that's important. I, sure. Sorry, I didn't have a chance to answer everything yet. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I, I know we have plenty of time. Oh, but, um, totally. <laughs> looking at Amherst and Oshkosh, uh, because of the women's um, having top priority for on an odd year for first and second rounds, Amherst and Oshkosh were not an option for us, and that's why we positioned Amherst at uh, Rochester and that pod. Oshkosh to St. John's. And then Wittenberg, um, you know, they weren't an option for us for hosting. Uh, they had not put in the paperwork for that, so that wasn't a, an option for us. And uh, once, you know, Guilford had beaten Randolph-Macon for a second time this season, we had to, you know, we look, looked at that as a pod and trying to get another team there. We're kind of limited as our options there down in North Carolina. So. Mm -hmm. Um, luckily, with Wittenberg, they were able to, to squeeze in there, so that's where that stood. No, it's it's, a, it's an interesting way of doing things. I would have argued even if Wittenberg could host it, it geographically, it makes some some nice sense there. Um, oh. Unfortunate, but Wittenberg also put themselves in their own boat, so I'm not going to sit here and try and defend them. Um, quickly going through this bracket again, very diverse. Obviously, games being sent to to Whitman. Whitman, though, being set up should they get through the weekend of going to the East Coast. Um, you've got Nebraska Wesleyan, Guilford. I'm just looking at hosts or top seeds. Oshkosh, even though St. John's is the host. And North Central in a pod. You've got uh, Augustana, Worcester, Marietta, Oswego, Randolph-Macon, Swarthmore, Rowan, and, and uh, technically Amherst, Rochester. There's a lot of creativity there that is going to provide you one probably with hosts who aren't necessarily the top-ranked teams in the oh. second weekend. Is that a fair way that you guys were looking at it? Yeah, and again, I think the whole idea of, like, there, there are a lot of great teams this season, and, you know, to be able to try to, you know, make some interesting matchups and make some matchups that you don't normally see, I think it's exciting for the game. And, and you looked at last year's bracket, and there were so many upsets in the first first weekend that we we didn't predict that. 
So, you know, we, we're always thrown with a curveball when that stuff happens, and, you know, that's just, a, you know, March Madness, and that's what's, you know, exciting about it. The bracket certainly has its own flavor to it. Again, you had all the stats about how creative you guys got within the pods and, and within regions and all that. How difficult is that, though, um, and how much are you second-guessing what you've already put down? Yeah, I mean, it, if we had, a, you know, three more days to look at this bracket, we would probably change it, you know, another <laughs> 12 times. But, you know, I think at a certain point you just have to let it go and, and just go with it. Um, but it is, you know, you're, you're trying to establish usually when you start the bracketing, the, you know, the host and, and who, where we can send schools. Um, and then we're really looking at, you know, the mileage and the, and the representation of different regions and the balance of it. Um, and also making sure that we're not putting teams that have already played each other this season um, in, the, in the same area or, of course, we don't want conference um, opponents to meet in the first round. So we're trying to break that up as much as possible. And, you know, I think when you look at this, it's not, you know, it's not a traditional east region, upper left corner, or south region, lower left, whichever. Um, I think it is really diverse in that regard, and I think it's exciting to see, you know, what will happen this weekend and also next weekend leading up to Fort Wayne. Yeah, certainly. The the, the run's going to be fascinating. Um did, did you get everything you wanted, Sam, or did you guys try and push the envelope a little bit and not get a few things? I think this year went um, smoother than last year yeah. uh, when we were, had a couple teams and, and not enough options for them sure. as far as a host. So uh, things went really smooth in that regard, um, and I, we didn't find any obstacles. Yeah, I, was, I figured as much, <laughs> but I figured yeah. I'd ask anyway because last year you did. You guys ran into a lot of hurdles that way as well. Um, what else about this process, about this weekend, about this bracket, whatever the case may be, do you want to make sure people understand? Well, you know, I think one thing that we didn't, we kind of glossed over when we were talking about Ramapo and, you know, they're also Wheaton. And, you know, we have members of our committee that are also coaches, some of them, and others are administrators. So we, you know, we follow the NCAA guidelines. So whenever a team was discussed or brought to the table for selections that we made sure that that person was off the call and we brought in a substitute from Iraq. Um, and also those coaches were not a part of bracketing. Um, so I think, you know, the integrity is really strong with this committee in the way we went about things. And, you know, again, I think just stressing the idea of having a, a national feel to this bracket and looking forward to the games this weekend and so and moving forward, you know, I think it's going to be some really exciting games and, and basketball. Yeah, and we didn't get a chance to, to mention something on Sunday. Something else that you that I think is interesting is you mentioned to me that you want to also make sure that um, the committee members that rep came in on from the rack also didn't have necessarily any ties. Yeah, and I think, again, it's just, it, you know, stresses the integrity of the committee and, you know, making sure, you know, each rack has, you know, anywhere from, you know, whatever, four to six different represent, representatives, depending on the conferences and affiliations. And, you know, we made sure that, you know, whoever was off the call that, you know, the, the rack member from that conference wasn't, you know, the one taking their place. So um, I think, you know, that worked out well. I know this probably is a question you can't answer for a little bit of time, but you know every year the committee will reevaluate obviously how they did and what they did and what they would do better or what they would change. 
Do you feel that the criteria was was evenly balanced this year, or is there or already thinking in your head, geez, you know what? I wouldn't mind if we continue to tweak how we evaluate some of this stuff. No, Dave. I think you know this year. You know, we had mentioned countless times on on the interviews about trying to you know course correction of trying right. to make sure that the criteria was applied uh, correctly, evenly across the board. Um, so I I think you know. As we mentioned before in other interviews, like our RAC calls and our national calls have been very, very thorough this year. I, I'm very proud of how we've been handling everything and really discussing the teams and looking at the entire resumes. I think that's important for your viewers to understand that, you know, not flossing over things mm -hmm. and really taking our time and, and due diligence to make sure we get it right. Um, so. I think the big thing for us as a, as a national committee and, and going into the final regional rankings and bracketing is just, you know, again, I think getting rid of some of the Sunday championship games would really allow us more time to go through the final regional rankings and going through the at-large selections and bracketing. I, I think, you know, we're getting to the point where, you know, even the, the women's committee, you know, we're going into early Monday morning trying to, you know, look at stuff uh, you know, third time, fourth time, fifth time, and, you know, you just run out of time. And, and, and you guys know, too, if your show that you guys do on Sunday night, um, it, it's a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. That's saying it lightly. We spent more time on the men than I expected us to this time around, and, and a lot of the sure. questions we had were obviously the ones you had. Granted, uh, we didn't have the regional rankings the same, so it's, it's nice to see that the rankings are out. And, again, as we've said before, that answers questions that we had because sure. the rankings are now out. So that's nice to see as well. Um, no, I think that's important. Yeah, I agree. I, I appreciate all the time you've given us, Sam. Thank you so much. I know we'll be talking to you more down the road as, as things progress, uh, but I appreciate the time you've given us in, in countless interviews, as you said, this season. Uh, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts to those tuned in? Well, Dave, again, thank you for your platform and what you do for Division Three basketball. Uh, we're really looking forward to this year's tournament. I hope your viewers are as well. It's going to be some great games coming up the next couple weekends as we march towards uh, Fort Wayne, and we're excited to be in Fort Wayne this year. Uh, one thing we mentioned before, uh, today in Fort Wayne, everything is blue. Uh, they painted the town blue in anticipation for March 15th and 16th uh, out here in Indiana, so we're really excited uh, to get to Fort Wayne, and there's going to be four teams that will be excited to be there also. Uh, there's some teams that still are purple. You know, they like to paint towns <laughs> purple. We'll see how this works out for them. <laughs> Sounds good. Sam, thanks for the time. As always, appreciate it. Safe travels home, and uh, we'll look, talk, look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you, Dave. He is Sam Atkinson, who is the Associate Athletics Director for Communications at Gallaudet, but more importantly, he is the Men's Basketball Committee Chair. You just got a good 30-minute understanding of how this all worked from Sam's point of view on the committee, some revealing things in there, and we'll certainly talk more about them tonight and in the future. When we come back, we'll talk to some of the teams who are dancing in the tournament, including the surprise that is lacrosse. We'll talk to their head coach, Kent Dernbach, coming back on the show. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. 
Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com tickets and get your tickets today. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We're back live on the show. I want to thank once again Sam Atkinson for joining us a little bit earlier in the evening. We'll hear from Karen Harvey, the women's chair, coming up. We got a lot jammed into the show. It will be a longer than traditional show. Shocking, right? It's that time of year. Don't forget, we'll be, well, the plan is right now to be back on the air on Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern. That's the plan. And we've got Whip Around, but we'll talk about Whip Around later. That'll be Friday and Saturday. All right, so let's talk about the teams in the men's basketball tournament. We'll talk to two teams. One of them's already got their bid. We knew they were going to get their bid, but we're going to talk to them tonight. The other one did not. We're starting with the did not know one. Wisconsin Lacrosse is one of those teams, like Oshkosh a couple years ago, but for different reasons and not to the total extreme as Oshkosh, who got in the tournament as a surprise to those of us who picked. Honestly, it comes down to regional rankings once again. Sometimes it's just, uh, oh, guess what type thing. Um, And we didn't know that they were regionally ranked where they were regionally ranked. That happens. And in this case, it certainly happened um, with these guys. So where does it all stand? Uh, Were they aware that they were going to get in? Do they have a watch party going? Where, Where did this all take place? For lacrosse, well, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is Kent Dernbach, the head coach of Wisconsin Lacrosse. Kent, once again, thanks for uh, joining us on the show. I appreciate your time. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a great reason to uh, to be on. Right? Yeah, yeah. I guess you want to be on the show at this time of the year, right? Yeah, yeah that's for sure. <laughs> so did you guys have any inkling you might be in at large, and did you gather together to see it, or was this one of those where, like, geez, there's no way, and you went about your day, and all of a sudden someone said, hey, guess what? Well, we had such an emotional loss, right, on, on Thursday against against a yeah. really good Platteville team, and and we, we, I knew it was, a, it was a possibility, you know, for us. And we talked about it a little bit, but in terms of having like a watch party or, or getting together and, and practicing on a Sunday, <laughs> I just felt it was a little bit too fresh, right? And then to maybe turn around and not get that call, right? Mm-hmm. To, not, to not see your name on the board. And um, to be honest with you, most of our guys have class right at that time, or we would have been together. We were certainly watching it. And, 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 um, and I, you know, I watched your show last night, Dave, right? We follow, right? You're, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're the guy, right? You're the guy. But, but again, um, we felt, um, that we were probably going to be a little placed a little bit different within those regional rankings. And, and we knew what we did, you know, um, throughout the year. So, you know, I said to myself, I said to our staff, and even a couple of our guys, like, hey, I'm not sure they know the whole story. Right? Well, it's hard for and us to guys, see the whole story, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's impossible for you, right? It's, yeah. it's impossible for you. You guys do a great job with it. And um, and I said, guys, we need to be proud of our season, of what we've accomplished. Mm-hmm. If we if we see our name, if we see our name called, then heck, you know, then we were recognized at a national level, and we're going to take advantage of that opportunity. But if not, we can't put our heads down, right? We laid a foundation of where we can be, and we want to be knocking at the door to make NCAA tournaments. And um, fortunately enough, we did that, and, 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 and gosh darn it, we were able to, to, to hear you know, UW-Lacrosse being called. I think the thing that we got caught up with, and I don't want to get into too much of the weeds with you, but you bring mm-hmm. up the fact that you guys may have seen it a little bit differently, was you were still behind Stevens Point last week in the regional rankings, and nothing really between all of that changed. They actually gained a win and improved their their resume mm-hmm. and got to the conference championship where they obviously picked up another loss. You guys picked up the loss to Platteville. Um, and so the idea that you were 2-0 and against Stevens Point, for example, was already in play. And, and so we were thinking to ourselves, well, geez, if they didn't move them ahead then, why well, would they move them ahead now? That's where I think we got stuck. Yeah, I think you might have got stuck just because of maybe um, it was written wrong somewhere. But we were ranked ahead of Stevens Point last week in the regional rankings. Okay, then maybe um, we, we flipped were... it because we thought Stevens Point winning and yeah. you guys losing. You might be right. And to yeah. be honest with you, yeah. the last 24 hours is a blur. But I'll oh, take yeah. your word I mean, for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and again, I mean, it's it's it, we were... We, we felt comfortable with what we did in the non-conference play with trying to schedule and, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and what we did certainly in conference play and, um, and, and clearly finishing, you know, well um, in our league. Yeah. And, and then, you know, heck, I mean, obviously we had to leave it up to the committee's hands and you never <laughs> want to do that. True, and there were yeah. some really restless. I mean, my wife, my, you know, my wife just would probably do anything to have me relax right over the last <laughs> few days, but every coach that's been in that position and, you know, I have a five-year-old and two-year-old daughter and I'm sure they were feeling it too. Sure. Right. And, uh, yeah. and, um, but again, you know, for us to, to write down, there's nothing better than a coach to write down week 20, right. On yeah, a practice exactly. plan and to be able to do that here on Monday and, and talk to our guys and, and have those five seniors that 
um, after such an emotional loss on our home yeah. court against Platteville on Thursday to get another opportunity to put on the practice jersey. I mean, that's special stuff. Let's talk a little bit about the, the tail end of this one. You're not the only mm-hmm. ones who've had this happen. Uh, we've seen it a lot from teams. It gets tough at the late end of the season, especially in the in your conference. But you also, you know, when does a team peak to some degree? When are they mm-hmm. worn out and stuff? You guys ended up um, losing four of your last seven. You were or, uh, sorry, yeah. six, two of two and four in the last six. You ended up going um, five and five in the last ten. Interestingly enough, after after going at such a great clip for a while, what happened in that last stretch here um, of this season so that we can better understand where you guys mm-hmm. are kind of going into March now? Yeah. Well, we, we continue to be a really good team defensively. You know, in fact, um, you know, we, we set a new uh, school record for defense field goal percent, right? We yeah. held teams to 27.5%, you know, from three. I, I believe we set a new WIAC record. The records only go back 20 years but you think about this league that we set a new WIAC record for defense three, defense of field goal percent from three. Mm-hmm. And so we were doing that, but then like, like it is in all really good, um, good leagues, you have to execute better defensively in the second half of the season, right? Because yeah. we have some of the best, there's great coaches out there <laughs> and with really, really good players and they're going to take away your strengths. And, um, so uh, as as the second half flipped in, in WIAC play, we were guarding mostly at a pretty darn consistent level, holding teams and 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 doing a good job, you know, um, uh, keeping their their field goal percentage down. But we ended up turning the ball over a little bit more in three straight games, you know, that we did. And then um, um, and then when you do that, if you're on the home, if you're at on uh, you know at home or on the road, it's going to be a possession by possession game, and that's what it was. And and we dropped a. Uh, um, dropped the game to a, a River Falls team that certainly got better in the second half of the year, and, a, and an Eau Claire team at home that certainly got better in the second half of the year. And and like you said, that's what happens sometimes in league play and, and league, you know, in any conference, in any really really good conference like we have, um, you have to execute on the offensive end. And and we weren't able to do that on a consistent enough basis to to keep up with the pace that we set, you know, early on when we won. Um, when went seven and one, and you know, um, um, through the first round. It's again, you talk about it's tough, obviously, in the WIAC to play the second time around. Um, and it's tough. Platteville got you. Platteville also seemed to finally find themselves a little bit, mm-hmm. um, in the second half of the season. I think probably played more like we expected the whole season from them. But then River Falls and Eau Claire, of course, got you guys. But then you also showed you could you could beat the top teams. You beat yeah. Stevens Point twice. To be honest, I think you've been disowned by Bob. Not only did you beat him twice, but he's not in the tournament and you are. Um, he might have just done away with you. But yeah. it's an interesting act this year. We knew there would be a, a ton of beating up, but I was surprised there wasn't any separation for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's such a special league, right? Yeah. And, and for us to come out, right, we were preseason ranked fifth. But but last year, last year, Dave, when we we talked when 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 I was able to first get the opportunity as an interim coach, is hey, we we have some guys that waited for their opportunity, and then when they got their opportunity, they took they took a hold of it, and they really embraced what we wanted to do on the defensive end. And and you know, we played last year. We had twelve games that were decided by five points or less. Right, played twenty six games. Twelve out of twenty six games were decided by five points or less. And our our guys you know, believed in that system of play, like, hey, we can play with anybody in the country if we play 
and we concentrate on being the best defensive team that we can be. And, and we were, I mean, for, for two months, we didn't start the season as well, but for two months we got back into, we found our identity, who we were, and, and you can beat good teams at home, on the road, or in at least you're going to give yourself to be in the basketball game. And, you know, a, a great example, you know, we dropped three in a row. Oshkosh came in here playing really, really well. And um, all the credit to Matt Lewis and the job that he, is, he has done there with, with a, a really, really good basketball team. And we just hung in there and hung in there. And then we were able to hold them to 61 points on our home floor and come back and, um, you know, in the last minute and a half and take the lead and win the basketball game. And um, it was just, I don't want to say that it was um, um, validation. Or I, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say that it was that, but it certainly was another. Um, it showed again, you know, what we're able to do if we're bought in to being that good on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just so it's not an easy way to play, right? I'm just so proud of our yeah. guys and the sacrifice that they made to, and, you know, and, and willing to play that style. Uh, you head to Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, home of the national champs, Nebraska yeah. Wesleyan. You don't see them first. You'll see St. Thomas instead, um, a team you're not unfamiliar with. Um, I believe you you were assistant coach at Stevens Point for several games against St. Thomas, if memory yeah. serves. Wh- how Your initial reactions to that news that you've now been sitting on for what, about eight hours? Well, yeah, it's you know you're going to face great teams. Yeah, right? there's there's so many good teams out there, and you're going to face great teams, and that's certainly what we're we're going to go up against on on Friday. Uh, a terrific coach, uh, they do it the right way. A program that has had success at the national level multiple times, and and a team that hey that we know that that we know um, we are who we are, right? We yeah. can't be somebody else. We are who we are, and. And, and um, if we're able to do that for 40 minutes, I expect it to be a possession game, you know, down the stretch. And, um, yeah, it's just going to be a heck of a contest. And it didn't matter if it was Nebraska or I don't know if they could send us maybe any further than that. I haven't looked at them, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, but I tell you what, it's going to be a wonderful trip down to, down to Nebraska Wednesday into Thursday. Uh, curiosity. It remind me when, which, which year you got hired there because my brain's just forgetting these no, specific, yeah. specific years. Well, well, I officially signed the contract uh, last year, the day after the season started. So last year, um, I was okay. the interim coach. So you're in your second then, season, right? Yep, my second season. Can here. you believe yep. what you've been able to accomplish getting this team to the NCAA tournament, getting it nationally ranked at one point this year to be at 17 wins, which technically is only four wins better than last year, but it's a five-win improvement in the conference from yeah. last year. Are, are you – is this what was on your timeline? Are you ahead of the timeline? What's your reaction to what you've been able to do so quickly? Well, we, we were lucky enough to have a, a, a group of young men uh, that, that bought into what we were preaching here. And, mm-hmm. and when that happens, you know, Dave, I mean, you've been following college basketball. When that happens, there is no limit that you can put on yourself. Right when you have five yeah. seniors that are willing to do that, there's no limit that you can put on your program um, and and what you can accomplish. So you know, for for me to say like, hey, could we be here? Could we not? Heck, I think we should. We we could have been to 20 wins, right? Sure. If if yeah. we if we execute a little bit better, but yeah. you know, for us to to buy in like that and and Coach Cable raised the level of this program. I mean, for him to win 200 games here mm-hmm. and then to step aside. It's not like I came in here to, to something that maybe he came into, right? But he raised the level of this program, and when he talked to me about it, he's like, 
uh, you know, Kent, there's another level at lacrosse. And, and that's why I took the opportunity to, to leave Stevens Point, right, to be an interim coach here where I could have been out of job in six months because I believe it's that special of a league and, and more importantly, it's that special of a university. Um, and I'm just so darn pleased I get the opportunity to, to lead the Eagles. And, you know, fortunately enough, are we ahead? Well, sure. I mean, um, to, to, for us to be in the, um, the NCAA for the second time in our program history. But now we need to be able to bring our program that first victory. And, <laughs> and it's it's going to be a tall task, yeah. but it's something that we're certainly looking forward to do, you know, potentially on Friday night. Well, congratulations, uh, to say the least. Uh, we look forward to seeing how you match up with St. Thomas and, and how that game plays out and, and how far you dance. And more like I, I look forward to talking to you on the future about lacrosse as well. As always, we give the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in well hopefully you get yourself a cup of coffee tonight because i'm sure it's been a it's been a heck <laughs> it's of a sitting in front hours. of me <laughs> i'm yeah. not drinking it yeah. though <laughs> but as i'm sure many guests have said you know thanking you for for what for what you do for for division three basketball and then also just saying again how special it is at our level i mean to, to have the emotion again dave of a thursday loss at home and see the tears right of oh, of, yeah. of just the emotion of, um, you know, guys maybe potentially playing their uh, uh, their last college game, and, and they're doing it for the right reasons. They're paying their own way, right? They're working summer jobs. They're working jobs during the school year, and they're here because they love the game. Mm-hmm. And um, it's such a special, it's such a special division, and it's such a special sport to coach. And it's certainly nothing, uh, something that we never take for granted and something that I hope that I never take for granted. Well, well said. Uh, I thank you again for the time. Really appreciate it, especially last minute today. Good luck. Enjoy the trip, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Ken Dernbach joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Of course, the uh, all interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline, courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And tell them I sent you. Um, Make sure you mention the Hoopsville Show or myself when you talk to them. Take another break. When we come back, we'll talk to Chatham. The Cougars are in the tournament in just their fourth year of existence how their head coach has bettered their AD in that category. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. 
The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I said Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Really go Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. Uh, trying to answer some of your questions in the chat rooms when I can. Can't get to all of them, but we will do our best uh, when we can. Um, so one of the teams that is dancing in the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history is the Chatham Cougars, uh, the men's program, that is, as Chatham was a co-ed school for a number of years. Now they are into the tournament. Now what's interesting about this is that they did it in their fourth year. We'll talk about why that's pretty darn impressive considering what everything's going on there. But David Richards is the head coach of the Cougars, and they got in thanks to a win over Westminster in the conference championship. They're enjoying it, and he now joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Sir, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Should point out the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Blue Frame Technology. All right, so here's the here's the nut and the bolts of this. I know your athletics director pretty well. He was a head coach at Goucher College, my alma mater. He got his team into the NCAA tournament as they were a very a co-ed program in his fifth season. You've done it in your fourth season. I hope I hope truly you're going to use this to your advantage. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know he got in his fifth season. I'll make sure I have there to, you go. Uh, I'll mention that to Leonard uh, tomorrow at work. I didn't know that. There you go. Now there's one problem. When they did it, they immediately upset the defending national champions in Lebanon Valley. So, and I knew that I knew that part. <laughs> okay, so that was their first tournament. So I'm just warning you. I don't know if you can top that part of it. That might be the hook. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yep, that's a tough one. A really an impressive feat here. It is hard to start a program. I know from experience, at least from historic and being there a little bit after the fact. Start a program at what is a former all-single-sex school. You're the opposite sex. You may have some advantages. Admissions is probably in the mood to get some 
some bodies in, as it were. I I'm I tell everybody I'm a Title IX admin. Oh, you're a male who plays sports. Please come to our college. <laughs> that said, you need to get this to click. You need it to work. You need to win. What have you done to, to make this work and get you guys into the tournament as you have this year? Well, we had, you know, we had a very um, senior-laden team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five of the guys um, were guys that started the program. Um, we had two other, two other guys join our program um, the past couple of years. So we had seven seniors on our roster. So the, the talented, uh, talented and um, older team, so it helps out a lot. And, um, you know, our, our guys are great. They didn't, all they cared about was just winning. They came this year um, with one thing on their mind, just winning. You know, there was no, um, you know, who's getting the minutes, who's getting the shots. Um, they just really cared about finding out ways to win. And when you have guys like that, it makes coaching a lot easier. Yeah, it does. Yeah. What what's the secret of the season? Uh, you guys started off with a three straight victories, one against non-division three uh, Penn State Beaver, then Carnegie Mellon, then Bluffton. Unfortunately, then it took a tumble as you lost four of your next six. Uh, then you guys seemed to settle in. Middle of the conference was a bit rough, but you, you you've had ups and downs, but you seem to put the ups together in nice long stretches. What how's the season come from your point of view? Yeah, we had it. You know, we, there's been ups and downs throughout the whole season, but um. You know, I think we're playing our best basketball right now. I mean, just like you said, we've won eight of our last ten. And, you know, we try not to talk about the wins and the losses, but kind of just talk about the process of the season, you know, controlling what we control and just trying to you know, become the best team we can um, throughout the year. You know, worrying about, you know, our energy, our intensity, making sure we're practicing hard every day, making sure we're competing every day. Um, you know, in practice, every drill we do, um, you know, there's time and score and competition. So, you know, when you do those things um, – when you worry about things you control, I think that's when the wind starts to, wind starts to follow. Well, that certainly can help. Did you guys have uh, any ideas of where you would go? Did, did you have a preference? Or did you, is this one of those deals because it's your first year? It doesn't matter. Bring on all comers. <laughs> yeah, we really we really weren't sure where we'd end up. Um, I know in the past a lot of the PAC schools um, have played um, one of the Ohio Athletic Conference teams. Um, so we thought maybe we'd get paired up with, you know, Marietta, or um, maybe even like Wooster or Wittenberg. But, you know, I, I checked the, um, the mock, mock bracket last night, and they actually had us playing North Central. Um, yeah. So it wasn't, wasn't surprising when, um, when it popped up. Every once in a while we get lucky, okay? Every yeah. once in a while yep. the committee actually either <laughs> listens to us or we just get darn lucky. I'm usually of the second <laughs> opinion. Um, of course, you know this, this area and this a bit. You graduated from Westminster. Um, and haven't played there. So you certainly know the ins and the outs a little bit, and you kind of hinted at where everybody goes in the NCAA tournament. Is that a, has that been a help in terms of recruiting? Has that been a help in terms of putting this team together to understand what's worked elsewhere because you've been kind of so close to that area? Yeah, you know, I, I try and try to relate a message to guys. Um, you know, the past successes of different teams in the league and, you know, playing in the league, I kind of kind of knew exactly what, you need to do to win in the league and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it helps out a lot, but, you know, a lot of it just comes down to the players. And, you know, like I said, we've, we've had a great group of guys, and they've kind of they bought into everything we've, we've been telling them. And, you know, their their hard work and everything they've done this year is the reasons why we're, where we're at. You're led by, well, you should point out, a somewhat young team. You're, you yourself are a young buck, sir. I'm just going to get that out of the way now. Um, we, we're – we, of course, I'm getting older. That's that's the real <laughs> truth. It's the real truth of the matter. Um, but you got somewhat of a young team. Yes, you've got seniors on this team. But in the sense of where this team seems to be moving, it feels like a young team. Is that a fair way of saying it? 
Yeah, it is. It is. It's an old team and a young team. Okay. Um, you know, like I said, we have the seven seniors. Um, we actually, our junior is actually graduating um, this year. He graduated in three years. Wow. Um, so we actually lose on, um, yeah, we lose eight guys, but then we have seven freshmen and one sophomore. So, yeah, we do have a older team and a younger team. So yeah. it's a, <laughs> kind of a kind of interesting mix. But um, our younger guys have been great. Um, you know, they, they come to practice every day ready to compete, and they really do a good job of getting our guys ready for games. Um, our, our scout team um, – you know, really competes and pushes our guys and tries to give them, you know, a great feel of what our opponents are like. I'm curious the relationship you have with Leonard Trevino. He's on the national committee. He represents, he's the chair of the Great Lakes region. And again, he's had experience with, with being in the in the national tournament, though nothing against Leonard. It was a little bit of a while ago. Um, have you been able to lean on him at, at this point and understand how this process works and what you guys should expect or how you expect things. And granted, you've known you're in the, you know, who you're playing for about eight hours here, but what you're, what you did do in the tournament or, or has, have you, or has he been almost hands off with you and let you kind of develop your own program on your own? Yeah. Leonard, Leonard, Leonard's great. He, he's very hands off, but he's also great when just let me walk in his office and pick his brain about different things. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's, he's been great through this whole process and, any questions I have about, you know, what we're doing, you know, the NSA tournament, how things are going, he's been great at giving me some information and advice. Yeah, it's, just, it's again, I find it interesting that you guys have pulled off essentially what he was able to pull off at Goucher. And I also know it's great to see him on the national committee with his point of view on things. He, mm-hmm. he and I used to talk about it all the time back when he was in this Baltimore area. So I, I'm really impressed with what you guys have been doing. But it's also hard, I assume, for ch- you at Chatham to get the school – to um, a brighter light, as it were, in that Pittsburgh area? Because you are surrounded by a lot of bigger-name schools that everybody knows about. I'm, I'm guessing on the recruiting trails, it's not the easiest thing. Yeah, yeah, there are, there are a lot of, lot of good basketball schools in the Pittsburgh area. And, you know, I'm pretty much from the Pittsburgh area, so I know a lot of the Whippeal coaches and, and guys involved in basketball. So that, that's kind of helped out a lot in recruiting. Oh. Um, and then you know, obviously, when you have success, that helps out a lot. So, you know, <laughs> us being us, us being good this year has really helped out in recruiting and and coaches and players are starting to notice that. So, it's been good for us. Yeah, you finished third in the conference. We should point out second best overall record in the conference. Granted, a different com- conference than Thomas More, though that's not the same conversation as on the women's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you you lose seven seniors here? Obviously, you're building what what. Where do you see this program continuing to move? Is this going to be a team we're always talking about as a potential NCAA tournament berth, or do you think you're going to have your ebbs and your flows? Well, I sure hope so. That's yeah, it's a that's loaded the, question, that's the, Dave. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the plan. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we lose a lot, um, you know, and, and through recruiting, we hope to bring in very talented players that can come in right away and, you know, and help us help us keep this going. Um, you know, I think our, our younger guys have very bright futures, and hopefully they continue to improve and grow and, you know, become the players that our seniors are right now. I was forgetting who you guys are, are playing. Oh, how sad is that that my brain is already – oh, you're going to North Central, duh. North Central, um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what do you know about the Cardinals? How much are you getting ready for said Cardinals, and what do you expect of the trip to Lyle, New, uh, Illinois? Yeah, I didn't really know much about North Central till today. <laughs> okay. Um, but got, got a chance to watch a couple of games. Um, you know, they're a very talented team, very well coached. Mm-hmm. Um, they got some good size. There's some very good skilled players. So definitely going to be a t- tough matchup. 
So it's going to be a pretty cool experience for our team getting to travel, you know, to the Chicago area and going to play a game over there and get into a different area. So it's going to be a really cool experience for us. I know it's it's a, um, a, a stereotype, but get some deep dish pizza while you're there. I grew up in Chicago, so I, I can tell you that's what you need to do. But enjoy the experience. I know that seems odd, but enjoy the experience, even no matter how the outcome is uh, against North Central. And no pressure, but I think you need to win the game. <laughs> I'm just, and they're not the defending champs, but pretty close. Not the defending champs, right? Just yeah. they got a top Leonard somehow, right? But still close. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hey, I really appreciate the time and coming on, even humoring me to some degree in my absolutely sleep deprived and not enough caffeine brain. <laughs> um, we always have a tradition on the show. We give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, I just thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for giving our program a shout out. And hopefully, um, you know, we'll be back on pretty soon. Well, I was going to say, next time we're on, we'll dive in deep with you about the team. But in the meantime, thrilled to have you on to talk about the fact you're in the NCAA tournament. Take care, enjoy, Thanks. safe travels especially, and we'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Dave, David Richards joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they'll take on North Central in North Central in the first round of the tournament, but hats off to them. I, I, I actually get a kick out of the fact that he got in the NCAA tournament a year before his uh, Leonard Trevino did at Goucher. I always thought what Leonard did at Goucher was pretty spectacular, but it all nearly got trumped. We never really dove into this this weekend. St. Joe's of Connecticut under Jim Calhoun nearly got to the NCAA tournament in their first year. How crazy is that? Playing in the GNAC title game against um, Albertus Magnus. Uh, it almost trumped everything, <laughs> to say the least. We'll take another break. When we come back, switch gears, talk women's basketball. Karen Harvey joined me earlier today to talk about their selections. We'll talk to her about those decisions. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. 
And now everyone else is speechless. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this bracket. Brackets Breakdown Special. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, here on Monday, February 25th. We have doing a lot of on-air broadcasting today and we and this weekend. We appreciate you joining us for it. Hope you've enjoyed our work. Uh, listen, I don't pretend to think we will ever get selections accurate and perfect. We did get the men's selections right uh, a few years ago, though I was reminded we didn't get them in the same order, which was kind of ironic. Um, but nonetheless, pretty darn cool um, that when we do have those moments. That said, it is hard to get them right because we don't have all the information, to be blunt. We missed three uh, in the run and you know, on the women's side. And the three missed, I think, have a lot to do with just not truly understanding where the regional rankings were. We've had some years where we've gotten a lot of information hashtag gleaned. We haven't in the last year or two. There's lots of reasons behind that. Who knows why? Admittedly, this weekend I was a little busy, and I didn't get a chance to dive in as much. But it doesn't mean it doesn't take away from what is a tremendous tournament. And at that said, we had a lot of questions about where the women's bracket was and those at-larges that we did miss. Why did we miss them? Why were the selections by the National Committee different for their reasons? So earlier today, Karen Harvey joined us to talk about those selections, the bracket, and some other things that we threw her way. Karen, of course, the head coach at Montclair State. She joined us earlier today to discuss it all. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the Women's Basketball Committee Chair, Karen Harvey, who's also the head coach at Montclair State. And Coach, I appreciate the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Uh, uh, I, I, I will have to give you a hard time. It's phone. I saw you on a Skype for the, for the, for the NCAA. Do we, do we not get the love, Karen? <laughs> Maybe next time. Okay. I can only do one Skype interview a day. <laughs> uh, okay. I understand. Um, I, again, a reminder to people, this is pre-taped, as you guys are busy, but I appreciate the time. We have a, a bunch of questions to get through. We got to see you at the end of the, uh, of the bracket show. Maybe not everybody heard what you said there. Just give us a general recap. Of, of how you think things went for the committee, both in terms of selections and bracketing? Um, yeah, you know, I, it, it was a long day, as you know, it always is. Uh, you know, I think we, we, we started our racks in the morning, and then uh, we got on the national call at 2.30, and we wrapped up at about 1 a.m. Um, but I thought it went pretty well. You know, we, the first thing we had to do is get through those rankings, um, and, you know, we got a veteran um, – 
national committee, and we have great, we had really great racks this year. So I thought it, the rankings were pretty smooth. We didn't make a lot of adjustments. We made a couple, um, but not a lot in those final rankings. Um, you know, and then, um, and that's the longest piece of the day is, mm-hmm. is getting done because it's so important that those rankings are correct, and you really have to delve in because obviously that's, you know, that's how teams are selected. So that's the biggest piece of the day there. And then um, once you get that done, um, you know, then it's uh, it's selecting your your you know your at large bids takes takes quite a bit of time and and um, we move slow we move slower this year than I think we have in years past and because there were so many upsets we really needed to take our time we hmm. felt like it was um, one of the best fields going after those at large bids. Uh, that we've seen, that I've seen in my time on the national committee, and to some degree, um, you're more involved this time around. As we joked about on our Sunday interview, being that you guys, your team wasn't really involved. That you you were involved in the bracketing, uh, maybe a little bit more in the pool C than you'd had in, in previous years. Uh, a little bit getting more of rolling up the sleeves than usual. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've always been involved in the in the in the pool C. Um, because my team had a, a automatic, but I've never been involved in the bracketing. This is the first time the, the whole system was new to me. So it takes a little minute because it's not laid out on a bracket like you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a little minute to wrap your mind around that. And but it's a pretty cool system how they can check, you know, the distance and flights and you know and all of that. And so you kind of uh, start looking at that and moving things around. And you know, you look and say you can't look anymore. We had a lot of eyes on it, so that was awesome. Uh, six members from the national committee um, were on that call, um, you know, and we came up with the best bracket we could. And then, you know, you need to walk away from it. So we let it sit at, at 1 a.m. and then uh, came back and everyone reviewed it on their own early this morning. And then we had another conference call this morning to review final review. Hmm. Let's start with the ranking side of things. Obviously, the racks yep. put together a ranking in the morning with the what ifs of those games in the afternoon. You guys will then tweak and twist and change and do whatever you need necessary to do. How much did the later games affect you guys, especially out of the AMCC where they were delayed? Um, yeah, we're just glad they got that game in. Yeah, uh, That was a little scary for a few minutes there. We didn't want them to have to go to their conference solution, whatever that was. Um, uh, it delayed us a little. You know, you have to jump off. You're on and off, uh, you know, for 10 minutes while they push scores and this and that. But for the most part, those the rankings took us kind of played in good. You know, we could start in the Atlantic and the West, whose games were were wrapped up. Um, and you know, by the time we needed to get to the next region, we were it was the games were done. Mm-hmm. When you looked at rankings, how much did you guys need to to change what your racks were giving you? Considering again, there's a lot of games going on too, but also right. because you had some teams that you could have gone either way with. Yeah, you know what? We made very few changes, um, very few changes out of eight regions. In fact, uh, there's only one little small flip I, I have in the back of my head that I know we made, um, but it was something super small, and it was a, you know, it was a three-four kind of flip or a four-five kind of flip. Um, and th- we did more of checking. We did a lot more of delving into a couple matchups um, to really make sure because. I mean, it was so close, so, so, so close that in some of these that it was it was really difficult to decide. 
you know, and, and those, you know, two, three makes a huge difference or three, four, you know, depending on where your, your mm-hmm. AQs fall. So we spent a lot of time, you know, looking at that, but the racks got it right for the most part. Um, they did a phenomenal job this year. Some interesting choices in the at-large. We admittedly missed three, which I think is our highest number missed. We, I, I don't know if we had different spots in the regional rankings. The, the public regional rankings aren't out yet, so I haven't been able to double-check that stuff. But a right. team like Mount St. Mary jumps out at me as a team that we eventually decided Marymount should go ahead of. I very much feel like Mary, Mount St. Mary ended up being a blocker on Marymount and maybe, in my opinion, one of the last teams to get selected. Yeah, you know, that was one of the scenarios. That's in my region in the Atlantic. Um, that is one of the matchups that um, we spent a lot of time looking at. And the national, my rack spent a good portion of our call on that those two teams. And then um, and then the national committee delved into that. And that, and that was actually um, the first thing we did on the call um, as the national committee was look at the Atlantic region and those two teams in particular. It, it, it's splitting hairs. You know, they both have great resumes. They've both done a lot. Um, I can tell you that Mount St. Mary was ended up being ranked above Marymount. Oh, um, and you, certainly you know, they got in. Marymount didn't. <laughs> yep. Yep. Is there an element to, I'm just curious, is there ever a conversation to be had of going, okay, let's look at their resume, match them up. Okay, we, we think it's this way. But let's take this resume and compare it to what it could look like nationally. You know what? This resume would be better. Maybe we should do it the other way around. Does that make sense of a question? It does make sense. It does make sense. And I think, um, you know, that's exactly what we did, um, to be honest. Um, Mount St. Mary had a really good resume. And when you break down their strength of schedule and you look at their numbers at six, seven, and 800, they fared better nationally. Um, you know, and... and the Atlantic region was tough this year. You know, we knew that there were some other regions that were really, really strong, like the Central um, and the Northeast, and then we had a bunch of upsets. You know, and when you have that, it, it, it sometimes it can hurt one region. You know, because I think Marymount's a great team, and, and, and you know, I loved everything that they did on their resume. Um, you know, their their even their secondary strength of schedule was fantastic, and I think they could would have done a great job if they got into the tournament. You know. Um, and it was just kind of, it, 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 you know, it's one of those things that you don't feel great about it, but, you know, not everyone can get in. We had, you know, we got in the best mm-hmm. 64. Real quick question. Can you remind everybody what the, what you mean by six, seven, eight hundred? Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Those are, um, uh, <laughs> can I? <laughs> I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> what do you bring? My brain is a little shot. Uh, when you break down strength of schedule, you're looking at wins over, you know, 600 teams that have beat that are over a winning percentage of 600, over 700, over 800. It's how your strength of schedule is made up. So, you know, you have a number, your strength of schedule number, and if those numbers are so close, you know, that that a guideline, 0.03, if those numbers are so close that we can't award it or we can't, you know, we, we dig into it. So basically, when you dig into it and you look at wins over 600, 700, 800, um, you know, uh, Mount St. Mary had a little bit better resume um, that in that respect. So. Okay. Um, let's switch. I mean, we could dive into the selections. Uh, we missed a few. Oh, we should talk about Whitewater, actually, before we move any further. I feel sure. like uh, they're an interesting um, scenario here. 
they had a monstrous SOS number, um, a ton of results versus regionally ranked opponents by our count, and I could be off here, 12 of their 26-some-odd games were against regionally ranked opponents. They're about 6-6. Six and six. Um, but they had the, you know, the win-loss number right there at you know, what we jokingly call the Mendoza line of about 667. How do you tackle a team like Whitewater? And, and is it a, maybe a change in mentality with the committee? Because in years past, sometimes they'd get passed over for a team that just had a gaudy win-loss number. You know, um, I think we had two of those outlier scenarios uh, on opposite sides in, mm-hmm. in the bracket. Um, you know, and we liked both of their resumes, and that's what we tried to do. You know, we tried to look at Whitewater's resume as a whole and say, okay, we might not like their win-loss number as much. We wish they would have won a couple more games. But when you look at their whole body of work and everything that they did, you can't deny what a tough schedule they went out and played and how many games they won, you know? So you, you, you focus on, yeah, maybe they didn't have as many wins, 18 and 9, okay. But, my God, they beat a lot of really great teams. And some of those nine losses, a lot of those nine losses were also against really great teams. You know, so we just, we really liked what they did as a body of whole. We didn't want to punish them for, you know, the number of losses. We tried to balance it. And, you know, on the flip side of that, we wanted to reward them for playing that tough schedule. And then on the flip side of that, I think, you know, you could talk a little bit about St. Joe's, who maybe didn't have as tough as a schedule. But we also wanted to reward them for winning games. So I think the committee was really trying to find a balance. And we weren't – we didn't do the whole bracket, you know, focusing on one area. Um, You know, we really tried to look at each team individually. And I think that you can see that. When you talk about those gaudy things, and and I see, hey, you went out there and scheduled and you played tough, you got some wins, and one of the Whitewater's problems was for every win they also had a loss uh, against that same team. How do you either justify or balance the argument of saying, yeah, you went out there and scheduled, but you didn't win as many, versus those who said, yeah, but we, we at least won, even though our schedule wasn't as strong. I mean... Is there a line that you guys have in your heads of going, okay, that's just too many losses or not enough wins, or a line on the other side of it, St. Joe's is maybe a bad example of going, yeah, you won, but you didn't play anybody. Is there a line you guys have, or is it always a case-by-case basis? I don't think there's a line, and I think that's really important. You know, I, I think that that's what we've learned, or that's what I've learned in my time on the committee. You know, I, I don't really want there to be a line, and I don't think that, you know, if – if you look at it open-mindedly, I don't think you want us to have a line. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you want us to look at every team individually and try to look at their body of work, try to understand, you know, what their constraints are and what their opportunities are, and you know, and, and look at each team individually, uh, you know, with with fresh eyes and, and giving giving them the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways. You know, sure. Uh, let's switch a little bit more to bracketing here. I want to jump off with an easy one. Uh, you have the three NESCAC um, um, behemoths, for lack of a better description, Amherst, uh, Tufts, and Bowdoin in three different quadrants. Is that a, a nod to the NESCAC or in, to some degree or at least a nod to those three teams and, and their abilities, or did it just happen to work that way? Um, I think that, you know, uh, I don't think it happened to work that way. I think we tried to spread them out um, across the country. Um, you know, it, they, they all three of them have phenomenal resumes. 
you know, they're all three strong teams. They all have great tradition in the NCAA tournament, and I think we rewarded them for that. Okay, so I got the easy one out of the way. We'll go for the tough yeah. one now. Thomas Moore <laughs> is the host, potentially, second-round matchup with Trine. That's two top five teams. I know top five, uh, top 25 rankings are not part of the conversation. I'm not re- uh, relating it in that way, but that is the reality. It seems to me and many others that that is a pretty brutal scenario that could potentially play out in, in round number two. How did you guys look at that, and, and how did that come to be, if that makes any sense? No, it does. You know, I, I... I think there's other places in the bracket where you could say, what the heck are they thinking? You know, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes we're not looking at it the way that, that you might look at it, Dave, you know, and, and I thought, you know, that, yeah, it's a tough spot and I see what you're saying. Absolutely. You know, and, um, but there were some other things going on in the bracket and, you know, that's kind of how it ended up set up. Is it one of those, I'll be, Answer how you wish. Is it one of those that maybe just got missed, or was it something that maybe was there and, and understood but unavoidable from your point of view? And I'm, I don't know what your your guys' direct point of view was. I just mean from your vantage point, you guys didn't think you could get out of that. Right. I, I, and that's pretty much, you know, I think we understood, you know, and it, it just was something the way that it ended up working out. Uh-huh. And, you know, when <laughs> you ahead. move one team – you end up having to move a bunch of teams, you know, and sometimes sometimes it ends up screwing up the whole bracket, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we moved some teams around a few times, and, um, you know, with, with some of our restrictions that we had, that was, the, you know, that was just the way it played out. Okay. Um, how many people have you heard from so far <laughs> regarding that one? <laughs> have you heard from a lot of people about that one in particular yet? No, no, I have not. No. Oh, okay, here, okay, we'll wait. Um, if we move down the pod a little bit, there's some other, or the bracket in some other ways, there's some interesting matchups uh, that I'm, I'm curious about. One, WashU hosting against Whitewater. Uh, George Fox will take on Greenville in a battle of W's and G's. Um, that seems like also a really str- tough in-region game, too, we should point out. Central region opponents in there with WashU. And and Whitewater, what was the ment- what was the thinking behind that game in particular? You know, I think I'll, I think you'll see a couple times, I, I, not not necessarily intentionally, but I think you'll see this a couple times where there's throughout the bracket where there are some in-region opponents playing each other, mm-hmm. but they're playing each other in a different region, or they're playing each other. You know, the, the pod is broken up a little bit. You know, the four teams in that pod are not the same four teams that have been in that pod in the past. I mean, that was one of the things that we really tried to look at um, is, you know, you might uh, – there's another scenario in here, Vassar, Geneseo, you know, both in region or similar region teams, um, but they're playing up at Amherst, you know, in a little bit different area. And, again, they didn't play each other this year. You know, we obviously looked at that. So there's a couple times you see that. I- I'm curious about I- – I- I'm excited about that, that matchup, actually. <laughs> no, it, it's oh no! I don't get me wrong. It's an interesting matchup. Just feels like a heavyweight battle, uh, to some yeah. degree. <laughs> um, another one similar to that would be Gettysburg, uh, Christopher Newport at Gettysburg. It, while you've got Mount Saint Mary on the other side with Westfield State, uh, it, it feels again like you got two Mid Atlantic um, powers, and, and that's a, a, a bit of a generic term, taking on each other there. When when uh, I'm just curious the idea behind that matchup. 
play each other this year. You know, so they haven't played each other. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. You know, we have teams playing not just in region, but playing. We're trying to avoid these teams that have played each other, um, you know, at any point in their season. If we can, in certain, you know, when we can do it, we try to do it. Um, and this was like two good teams, you know, um, who hadn't played each other this year. And that's kind of how the bracket worked out. You know, we... We, we, we were able to get Westfield State in there, uh, you know, a team from a different region. We were able to get Mount St. Mary in there, a team from the from the Atlantic region. So, you know, um, we kind of like the way that pod looked. I know that looks like a powerhouse matchup, but I think it's going to be a good one. Well, I definitely think it's going to be a good game. It's just, it, yeah, I know you're what you're saying about not playing each other. Um, Thomas Moore, of course, played St. Vincent earlier, but I understand that you can't always do it the way you want it. I just wonder if there's sometimes a conversation of going, listen, it's a national tournament. We don't necessarily want the same regional teams playing each other. We want you know, that to be a non-regional game to some degree. I, I think, in fairness, Dave, I really think that we did do that in the pods themselves. Like when we look at this bracket, when the national committee looked at this bracket, we felt like we came up with a national bracket mm-hmm. as much as we could within the pods. Not always within the individual matchup, but within the pod. I mean, there's there's a lot of travel restraints uh, or some travel restraints that we really have to look at. And then, you know, and I do think we ended up with a couple, you know, teams in the same regions in the first-round matchup, but not playing in their own region and in a different pod. Okay. If we move down to the bottom left-hand corner where Tufts is sitting, they're going to be playing against – uh, another New England conf- or a regional team in Western New England, but it's a matchup above it that I think's got a lot of people kind of uh, raised eyebrow. It's Haverford versus Rosemont. Those schools are literally about two and a half miles apart from each other, and they're going to play all the way up in Boston uh, instead. Is there is that one that I again? Now, ironically, it's a Mid Atlantic versus an Atlantic region, so that regional right. conversation's over. But they are schools that literally could walk to each other's campuses and play this game as well. Was that ever considered or discussed? I mean, almost could you flip Western New England with Rosemont, for example? Yeah, we maybe could have done that. We maybe could have done that. Um, that's probably a good point. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think when we're looking at it, we were looking at there in two different uh, regions, and um, I'm not very good at geography, so that one that one might be on me. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate the honesty. Thank you. Um Another one that jumped out at us, or not jumped out isn't the fair term, but similar to the conversation, you kind of answered this before, but again, Vassar, Geneseo, sitting in the upper right-hand corner, two upstate New York teams, probably know each other somewhat well. They're in that Amherst group with Husson. Again, feels like one of those odd matchups to some degree. Um, I think it played out well with where they're ranked and their schedules and they hadn't seen each other this year. And I don't know how often they do play. I'd be interested. Uh, you know, I think when we talked about this, we, we didn't think that even though they might be close to each other, I'm not sure they do play that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, we obviously sent them up to Amherst and then Hudson is in there who hasn't, you know, some of these teams, some of the, one of the challenges, David, you know, you have some of these teams who have been in this tournament mm-hmm. often, uh, like say Amherst, <laughs> um, and you you want to send different opponents up there. Sure. You know, we get different teams in that pod that haven't been in that pod. So there's some of that that's on a conscious basis. You know, I, I 
we spent a lot of time uh, in this morning, especially reviewing the 2018 and 2017 brackets, you know, to sort of make sure that we didn't have a, a, a scenario where we had sent the same teams to the same places. You know, it, it also gives the student athletes, even though Vassar's playing Geneseo, uh, you know, they're going up to Amherst. It gives them a different experience, mm-hmm. you know, to get out of their region, even if they're playing a regional team. Okay. What I think is interesting is as many as we just picked out of, of, of matchups that seem to us odd, and, and you realize it's coming from our perspective here of an in-region right. opponent or its next-door neighbors, whatever the case may be, there are also matchups, I'll admit. You know, Shenandoah at DeSales with John Carroll and Middlebury being there. You know, those are certainly the direction that we've seen the men go, and, and we see that you guys have that thinking as well. So I think that's why some of those other matchups kind of jump out. You're like, well... If they got John Carroll, Middlebury, DeSales, Shenandoah in a pod, why do they have this in a pod? And that's, I think, where everybody is. Is it, is it maybe that you guys are at a crossroads in a transitional period, maybe, the, to understand all of that or to try and be, to try and do it the way you want it all the time? I'm, I may be putting words in your mouth. I, I don't know. Right. Um, I, I, I think that's DeSales, Shenandoah, John Carroll, Middlebury. I think that's, you know, a, a perfect example of what we tried to do when we could do it. Um, and we couldn't do it all over the bracket, but when we could do it, I like that pod myself. <laughs> um, yeah. When we could do it, we did it, you know, but it's not always possible. Well, because right below it, then you got MIT, St. Joseph's, Ithaca, SUNY IT. And so you feel like sometimes there's the win, and then sometimes there's it's the other way. And so that's why I think it's an interesting dichotomy, if that makes sense. If I'm using the right word, I'm a little exhausted. Um, right. Or oppositeness there of what we've seen. Now, granted, you had more people on the on the uh, bracket this year than we've probably seen in the past two. Is that true? Uh, at least the past, at least last year. I don't know what they did this uh, year before, but yeah, we had six. Yeah, we had six national committee members. I mean, we obviously um, Chris Hoffman and Polly were not on the call because their teams are in, and actually Leslie was not on the call as well because Simona Pitzer was in. Um, okay. So. Yeah, but we had a strong, you know, we had a good group, um, you know, returning lots of experience, lots of eyes on it. You know, um, Jim Scheibel and Kelly Thompson both know what the heck they're doing. And, and then, uh, you know, the newcomers did a really good job as well. So, um, We should have probably started the bracketing with this question. Was there anybody you wanted to have host or were there any scenarios where you wanted to have hosts, but they didn't put any paperwork in to do it? Yes. How much did that throw wrinkles in, and how much have we maybe talked about them? <laughs> if we just uh, yeah. don't realize it. Uh, yeah, we've talked about a few of them, and I can't speak on that. So, I mean, that's oh, one come of the on, you things. can. I-, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> that's one of the other things that people don't realize. You know, if people don't put a bid in, then we can't <laughs> we can't send teams there. So, right. um, that that hurt us a couple times during the bracketing, for okay. sure. And why some of these questions, a couple of these that you're asking me about, is certainly because of that. Interesting. I appreciate the uh, at least that kind of insight. Um, I'm not going to have you pick who you think is going to be the winners out of all this. Uh, that's not fair. Um, but what do you expect from this 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 tournament this year round? I mean, you you don't seem to have a lot of flights in the early round. What maybe two? Um, but you seem like you could be setting yourself up for some interesting second weekend discussions. Yes. I think so, and I think uh, I think that's I, I think we've got some exciting matchups. I think we've got some matchups that if you love college basketball, <laughs> you're going to want to see it. 
you know, and, and so I think we're excited about that. I think we're excited about some of the games that, that are going to happen. I think they're going to be some good ones. You know, I, I think that there's more parity in women's basketball than there's been, and that's, that's kind of what we were hoping for when we set up this bracket as well. Um, you know, I don't think we wanted it to be set up where you could automate, you know, just pencil everybody in all the way through, and I don't mm-hmm. think you can do um, so I think there's going to be some great, great opportunities for teams. First time in, there's a few of those. Um, there was a lot of upsets, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I think it's going to shape up to be a great national tournament. Um, and I, I'm excited, you know, I'm excited for all the teams that got in and, you know, my heart breaks for the ones that were close and didn't, um, you know. Uh, for argument's sake, or for informational purposes, maybe is a better way of saying it. Uh, times for games, have you guys, uh, has that been set down? Women tend to sometimes have a little bit more fluidity than we're used to. Um, I have not looked at that yet. Okay. I realize yeah. some of that has to do with conference calls that you guys had, I, and again, we're pre-recording no, the deal. I, I, I'm sure I know that, but <laughs> not have, have you Have you been working a lot recently, Karen? <laughs> um any other thing, any anything that we need to understand better about the rankings and the bracketing to help with the questions we either have now or we'll figure out later? Right. Um, I don't think so, Dave. Not that I can think of okay. right now. I, you know, the only thing that I think, to be fair, that I will say is that we've got a really dedicated, hardworking group. And, mm-hmm. you know, there may be people, everyone can look at this bracket and not be happy about something. Oh, sure. And I... I hope that for every person that's not happy, there's somebody that, <laughs> you know, is happy. And we really, we worked really hard at this. And, you know, w- with the best intentions, you know, if, if we uh, if we didn't get a couple of them right, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know. Um, but I think that the National Committee and the RACs and everybody involved dedicated a lot of their time um, and worked really hard to try to get this to be a good experience for the student-athletes and the teams participating. Well, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the honesty and the insight and, and the look at this. Uh, again, we can nitpick a lot often uh, on these shows, and, and that's kind of our jobs. But So I at least appreciate you humoring us in that degree. Look forward to seeing how this all plays out. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Oh, good luck tonight uh, on your show since we're pre-taping this. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, get some water, and uh, it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun march. I feel like I'm one of your players. Go get some water. Go sit down. Take a break. Uh, <laughs> if this is airing, Karen, then we are successfully going well on the show. If it's not, then it went sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, pr- appreciate the time. I look forward to touching base with you as the tournament moves on, and uh, look forward to touching talking to you later on the road. and And enjoy it yourself. Thanks, Dave. She's Karen Harvey, the head coach at Montclair State. More importantly, she's the chair of the Women's Basketball Committee in Division Three. Bracket is out. Questions have been answered. We'll probably have more questions in the future. We may hear from her at another time or at least reach out to get those answered, but we hope she at least gave you some insight on what uh, they, they went through. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to some of the women's coaches that are in who uh, have the programs in the NCAA tournament. You're listening to the Bracket Special here on Hoopsville on D3Hoops.com, presented by WBCA and NABC. Back with more after this. Big shots. Big dunks. 
This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody here now live again after talking to Karen Harvey. Appreciate the time. Seeing some of you reacting to some of what Karen had to say. We'll leave her words at what she had to say uh, about those things. I agree. The trying um, Thomas More scenario is not solved. It's not any better. We don't get a great answer from her, but there's, that's what we've got for now, and we will move on. Um, got two interviews to do on the women's side. Ryan Scott will then join us. Going to try and get these done as quick as we can as we're running a little bit behind. Uh, so some fun news to share with you in just a minute. Um, one of the teams that was a surprise, at least for us, to get into the tournament was Mount St. Mary. We had actually thought Marymount may go ahead of them. We heard us talk extensively with Karen Harvey about that topic and why it was a big topic for the committee. I don't know exactly where Mount St. Mary was picked. I suspect they were one of the last ones to get in. So what does that mean to them? Well, their head coach, Mike Capolino, join us. And I, Coach, I knew I was going to screw up the name the moment I went to say it. Um, but he joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by 
um, Blue Frame Technology. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations on making the on the tournament. What were give us honestly what you thought the odds were? Dave, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, honestly, I thought about a 30% chance. I knew we were right on the bubble, given our record and our regional ranking. The last few weeks, we were right there. So I would say, honestly, a 1-4 in four to 1-3 in three chance. Okay, so you were, you were nervous this wasn't going to work out. Yeah, I, I thought uh, we, we had to win a coin flip and get a little bit lucky, and obviously we ended up uh, lucky. getting through. <laughs> you ended up lucky, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, yeah. And by the way, it's Michael Capolino. I got it finally in my head right. Um, you guys get in. There's some indication that I think some people thought you could even host. I, I, you may not know the answer to this, so I, I, and forgive the, the bluntness of it, but did you guys put in to host? Did you ask to host, or was that not an equation for you guys? Uh, that was not an equation for us, to be okay. honest. I mean, if, if it was an option, obviously I, I would have put in, but I... Uh, did not. Okay. Um, because you just didn't, it, it wasn't the right thing for you guys to do, or is it just not something you guys did, period? Um, I know that we have high school games that we're hosting uh, this upcoming weekend. So okay. So that's, that, that's a, we, we always do that essentially like a, at the end of February, beginning of March. So yep. that probably has something to do with it. But I, uh, I, I honestly thought like the, the, the better, the, say better seeds or the, the, the Amherst of the world sure. or the, the, the top seeds would generally. Yeah always toast and we yeah. obviously would not be a top seed so i understand um and by the way I, i'll say now that not a very uncommon answer to say that high school teams use your facilities that is a money generator for departments i will never ever question that um yeah. all right so you're into the tournament congratulations uh you guys will be heading to gettysburg uh for a, a game um what's what's the thinking here i know you've barely gotten a chance to see the bracket per se but uh, on the other side of that is Westfield State. They are known to be a somewhat system team. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, first and foremost, we're really excited. I, yeah. I, I couldn't be more static, and, and the girls were running down the hallway into my office, and uh, <laughs> they, and, and we're, we're cheering and clapping. So we're all really, really excited and happy to be there. And, I mean, the, one of the first things my point guard came in and said, "Have you start? What do you know about Westfield State?" And I said, I, "We just found out 20 minutes ago. I mean, I know, <laughs> I, I know a couple things, but I, I've yet to watch them on film. I, I do know they do play very fast, and they like to trap and press. And the good news is we played Western Connecticut State last year, and they played the same sort of system, mm-hmm. and we ended up beating them. So the good news is we've, we've at least." seen it before but i know it's obviously very unique the way they play and we're obviously going to have our hands full prepping the next couple days in order to to get ready for a a unique way of uh getting up and down i'm not gonna be able to help you i saw westfield state in las vegas at our d3hoops.com classic uh in two games but they weren't at full strength i don't think i actually saw them play their traditional style uh and amherst also decided to go up tempo with them and that turned into a game we didn't expect either so i can't help you there uh, I would almost say avoid looking at video from those games. Uh, it may not okay. help you whatsoever. <laughs> um, okay, good, good to know. Yeah, in case you happen to spot them, hey, no, it may not help you. Um, granted, I'm not a coach, so maybe just do the polar opposite of what I'm telling you. Uh, um, so you're in this tournament. It's obviously a great opportunity. I should have asked you guys first and foremost, where did you watch it? Uh, did you watch it? Did did no one watch it? Did you set up an opportunity to see it? I get a sense that you didn't, but maybe the students were. 
Yeah, I mean, we had a bunch of girls in class, so they were watching on their phones. They were watching in their rooms. If they weren't in class, I was watching with my assistant uh, in my office. Because uh, cause quite, cause quite frankly, I mean, like I said, I would give it like a 30, 30% chance or so for us to make it. So if, if I knew we were closer or we had one or two less losses, I probably would have gathered everyone. But I thought it was so close that I was like, ah, it could, could go either way. So I, I decided just to watch it with my assistant in my office. <laughs> I understand that. I uh, <laughs> totally do. Tell us about the season you guys have had. Um, I, you know, obviously, the, the even for us, the resume was a little challenging to try and read into and understand totally um, to make higher or anything of it, to be blunt. You know, you guys ended up finishing the, so far at 22-5. and five. You were perfect in the conference in the skyline, obviously, though Merchant Marine tripped you up in that conference championship game. Your losses seem to come in fits and famines, two in November, two in uh, New Year's, and then this random loss against Merchant Marine. What happened in those losses? What have you guys done in those wins? Yeah, I mean, obviously the losses happened really early in the year, a couple in November right off the bat. Um, we were still kind of getting our feet wet, which I know every team is, but we obviously took a little while to become acclimated. We had, we had nine freshmen at the beginning of the year, so it took us a little bit of a learning curve to start to get them, to get them going. And, uh, yeah, the two losses right after the new year, right around, uh, one was Middlebury and one was New Paltz. And obviously there's no excuse for any loss, but we were without two of our better players, one starter and another key reserve who were out with a concussion and a, uh, a thumb injury. So, and and that's in both of those games, we were missing 20 points, 20 rebounds. Could we have won those with them? I mean, hindsight's always 20-20, but we lost those because obviously we just we're outplayed. But it would have been nice to have been at full strength. And then inevitably, we went on a pretty good win streak. And then uh, Merchant Marine clipped us uh, this past weekend. We just had a bad day. We were a pretty good shooting team, and we were 0 of 19 from three. So that. Uh, kind of sealed that game for us so those are kind of our five losses in a nutshell and uh i mean i i thought if we, ultimately we didn't have any bad losses which obviously helps our, our worst loss was quote unquote to, to to middlebury and they are 19 and 7 every other loss was to a team that either made the tournament or had 20 plus wins so that, that certainly uh, i assume helped us and uh our, our wins uh, I, I thought we played well for a good stretch of the season, had our ups and downs, but once again, we, we had some injuries throughout the season, but we fought through it, and we had a bunch of freshmen step up and uh, ended up being 22-5, and five, which I consider a, a pretty good pretty good run. Yeah, not, not bad. Um, what do you Have you now had time since your, your players decided to tackle this to look at this, or have you still tried to enjoy it today? And real, and because obviously there's been conference calls and you guys have to do some uh, logistical work. Have you tried to enjoy this now and, and do the heavy lifting maybe tonight or tomorrow? Or have you gotten neck deep now that your, parents, your, your students have pushed you into it? Yeah, I, I gave the team off again today. I know they were they're super excited. We obviously <laughs> had, had a tough weekend. So I, uh, I, I haven't started yet. We, we went from being announced to me getting text messages. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the priest on our campus coming into my office asking me if he could come on the trip with us. Uh, you, you, and you, you can't say it, no but, there. <laughs> can't, say no, can't say no to the, the father. Yeah, no. that would be a good omen. <laughs> but, yeah, I haven't. And now I'm actually driving back from recruiting, watching a uh, one of our top recruits play. So I haven't 
got to it yet, but I will definitely, when I get home tonight, watch a little film and then tomorrow morning hit the ground running because we got some uh, prep and some work to do. I can just see the conversation now with the recruit. Uh, update, since I've been able to talk to you, we are now an NCAA tournament team, and really, you want to come and play <laughs> for us. <laughs> yeah, I was actually holding my phone because I knew we were having this conversation. I didn't want to miss your uh, phone call, so I was hoping that the uh, game would hurry up and end. Yeah, oh, I know that feeling, and it has nothing to do with trying to take a phone call. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, tell me a little bit quickly about your team. Um, you, you, you obviously talk a little bit about the, the, um, the uh, youth to some degree on this team, but let's talk a little bit about particulars. You don't have a lot of high scores. Uh, Twelve and a half points out of Kayla Cleary, uh, Katie Smith at ten and a half points, nine and a half points out of Elizabeth Lamanta. You only average about 64, 65 points a game, but you only allow forty-nine points. But can you give us a little bit of a of an understanding of what the team makeup really is and, and the names that we should know about? Yeah, I mean we're we're very well balanced. I mean we we have a couple forwards that that, that can contribute, Liz Lamanta and uh, Kayla Clare, but we have Katie Smith, who's a very good sophomore point guard, uh, Lauren Disratz, who, who's playing a good amount as a freshman, and Annie Keenan. So, I mean, what I love about our team is that we can have six, seven, eight people go for 10, 12, 14 points on any night. So it's, it's, we're tough. We, we generally don't have 20, 20 points from one person and then 19 from another and no one else scores. So it's, we're pretty well balanced and uh, – We've, uh, we were, I think we're, we're tough to guard. Quite frankly, we have good inside post presence and uh, on the perimeter when we shoot it well, minus this past weekend, <laughs> uh, we, we can go inside and out. So I, 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 I like our balance and uh, I think we have a lot of versatility. What about this conference? You know, Skyline's kind of been uh, up and down. Actually, Merchant Marine seemed to have a pretty good season this year. How much have they prepared you, the conference that is, to, for the tournament ahead of you? Yeah, I mean, the skyline, as you know, is not top to bottom the, the greatest. I mean, we, we obviously have a drop-off. Um, we, we have the, the top few teams, Merchant Marine, Old Westbury is always very solid. Farmingdale just had a little bit of a down year, and they cut on more at the end because they had a couple injuries. But, uh, I, I mean, I think it's prepared us. I mean, we obviously out of non-conference, we played a tough schedule. The top tier, the top three, four teams, St. Joe's Brooklyn was – had a solid year. They're, they were better off this year. I mean, obviously the bottom end of our conference uh, is, is, has a little bit of ways to go, but we obviously we were 18-0 and in conference and, and took care of business night in and night out. And obviously out of conference, we competed uh, non-conference. So I, I, I think we're prepared and ready. I mean, uh, I know uh, obviously other conferences are, are stronger across the board, but we, we obviously did the best we could with what we had, and we, we went undefeated. So... Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, uh, especially as busy as you are. We always have a tradition on this show by giving the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in? Yeah, Dave. I, first and foremost, I don't know you slept in the last 24 hours today. I listened <laughs> to you last night, and you were on for about four and a half straight hours. So I don't yeah. know if you're, uh, you're no. surviving off of coffee right now or, or Coca-Cola Classic. I don't know what it is, but you're doing, you're, you're doing a good job. Well, thank you. I don't know what I'm surviving and, on. <laughs> And, and above all else, I appreciate, as always, what you do for D3 uh, women's and men's basketball. Obviously, we, do, we don't get a lot of no, notoriety, and, and you do a great job uh, publicizing and, and really uh, 
give it a lot of credit to uh, a lot of different teams and programs that, that work really hard across the country with very, very limited resources. So uh, I, I know I appreciate it and other coaches I talk to really appreciate everything you do. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate the kind words. Good luck in the tournament. Wish you luck, uh, certainly, and, and really looking forward to seeing how you match up there in Gettysburg. You're not that far from the house, but I got bad news. I'm going to be sitting here doing whip around instead. Um, uh, but we'll uh, wish you luck and enjoy Gettysburg. It's a nice area, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Mike Capolino joining us here from Mount St. Mary's. Of course, Mount St. Mary, not Mount St. Mary's, a little, little known thing that not everybody is appreciative of. Mount St. Mary's is located in Emmitsburg, Maryland. In other words, if they drive past Gettysburg, they will drive into Mount St. Mary's. That's kind of appropriate, isn't it? Uh, our guests on Blue Frame Technology, of course, hotline. We want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology. If you would like to learn more about Blue Frame Technology's production truck software and their streaming services, go to blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And tell them we sent you. Take another break. When we come back, Shenandoah got into the NCAA tournament as the eighth seed in the ODAC. Yeah, that happened too. We'll talk to their head coach. And guess what? She and her wife have something in common about how they win ODAC titles. It's not for everybody, but maybe it's perfectly for them. We'll talk to her coming up. You're listening to Hoops Overs, by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more when we, when we get back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked the top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! 
Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this sun, uh, Monday evening. Jeez, I just think it's a Sunday evening. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also uh, join us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville or email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Give me a quick second because I wanted to show you something that is very apropos of this segment. Um, you know Oglethorpe women's basketball uh, got the, a clinch themselves. Whoops. <laughs> uh, wrong Twitter account. They got into the NCAA tournament themselves, thanks in part to uh, the uh, a very good at-large resume, despite the fact that Rhodes um, ended up being in the tournament. Uh, not too shabby, to say the least, right? Well, one thing that is very impressive, to say the least. Let's see if we can call this up. Oh, i got to switch it to the other window. There we go. Um, was what, uh, was announced on, on, uh, there we go, was announced on Twitter at the same time. If you're looking at Twitter, it's Alex Ritchie, the head coach of Oglethorpe. He said, not sure if I have had any better days in my life than today when you consider that the at-large bid in the NCAA tournament was the second best news. Yep, remember, second best news. Excited to announce that my son will be joining our family this September. So look at that, Daddy Ritchie. Not too shabby, sir. Congratulations, to say the least, as he becomes a father to a son. That's pretty cool. Well, the next head coach kind of knows a little bit all about that. She is a mommy about to be twice over, but more importantly, she's got a lot of excited student-athletes because Shenandoah did what I don't think anybody would have expected. They uh, started the conference tournament, if I if memory serves, I believe. I'm going to have to check with her and everybody else. 13 and 13 ended up winning as the eighth seed of the ODAC and getting into the NCAA tournament at 16 and 13. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops for the Hotline, it's Melissa Smelzer Craft. Coach, there's harder ways to do things, but I think you found the hardest way to win a title. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this is the only choice I had, so I had to go that way. <laughs> Fair point. Um yeah, first and foremost, congratulations on that because that is that is impressive to say the least that you can go and win this conference. The, the ODAC has gotten so much tough tougher over recent years in the women's side to be able to go through that and knock off Guilford, Randolph-Macon, then WNL. Granted, you, Guilford being the top seed, you didn't have to run into Emory and Henry, but Washington Lee was the the three team. So it wasn't the easiest route whatsoever. What what was in the water that you all were drinking? Um, we're on a six-game win streak right now, and, you know, talk about peaking at the right time. <laughs> uh, we're, we're playing our best basketball right now, end of February, now going to be March basketball for the first time ever at SU for our women's program. I don't know that I can explain what's going on, honestly. We're just clicking. We're just playing well. Well, 
in that case, don't tell anybody and just demand a, a raise. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing, too, about this is, um, again, you knock off teams, but that, that's a tough stretch. The ODAC tournament's always tough. This year, it was on back-to-back-to-back days for the women. You didn't have that rest that the men had, and they alternate that. So you're going pretty much no break, bang, bang, bang with these games. Very little time to turn around and prep. Granted, you know these teams, but how do you keep a team like yours maybe focused on the task at hand and not have a not a letdown, but certainly you know a momentary lapse of uh, that can cost you a game? Yeah, I mean, we, we played six games in 12 days. Uh, that's what our win streak has been. Jeez. And you're right. The beast that is the ODAC tournament is insane. I remember when I came down into this region and, and, and got the job at Shenandoah, and I literally was like, how are you supposed to win this? Because this is insane. And um, watching other people do it, it's just insane, and it gets to a point of, just magic and the teams that catch fire at the right times will win and the teams that peak and play together will win and we just we just locked in ever since that loss uh against Collins a few weeks ago and we've been playing our best basketball and we've got a really good mix of upperclassmen and underclassmen that you know we've we just we just got hot when we needed to I think I think anybody would kill to be playing their best basketball at this exact time of year. Uh, Holland's, of course, one of the lower-ranked teams in the conference, and so that I think that makes us even more improbable. Because if anybody looked at the Holland's game, they probably thought to themselves, "Well, Jesus, this this team isn't really ready to keep going the rest of the season. They're struggling here." So you put on six six wins here, really at at when the pressure was probably the most that you should just go home. Right. At that point, we were really fighting to be in the top 10, which is what you qualify for. Um, and our urgency just picked up. And, you know, I, I think we all in, in, within our program believed that we were capable of more. And the urgency just really just really kicked in at that point. Uh, by the way, I, I love the sports information directors in the ODAC. Your sports information director, Scott Muse, is, a, is one of my favorites. J.J. Nekoloff is one of my favorites. And they've got some of the best tidbits that they're throwing at me now only eight seed to ever win an odak quarterfinal let alone win the title on the women's side and then of course first team ever to have won four games to win the tournament you basically destroyed every record that jj had he's now spending the rest of this week rewriting the record books you gotta gotta be pretty proud of that how did the team react as you guys kept winning yeah, I think we've really thrived on doing what hasn't been done, and I think that's a product of Shenandoah being a newer member to the league. Um, you know, we have the opportunity to write the history book for our program, but also to do things that have never been done. Sure, that's a challenge. Let's take it on. I mean, I'm not going to win 600 games in uh, this week like Carol Hay or <laughs> just name anybody else in the ODAC that is just unbelievable to look up to and to want to strive to be. We're not that story. We can mm-hmm. make our own story. We can write our own story. And our girls have totally embraced that, and it's been phenomenal. Yeah, it's been really impressive, uh, to say the least. By the way, did did you have any plans this week? <laughs> Don't worry. I <laughs> didn't, and I would have canceled them. 
I, I, I would hope. Absolutely no incredible. Um, another stat that got thrown my way, Shenandoah averages 53 field goals attempted per game. The sale shoots nearly 70 times per game. Heck of a contrast. Yeah, I was going to say, have, have you looked ahead at who you got on the other side here in DeSales? Yeah, just a quick peep um, this afternoon, obviously. Um, you know, the, the thing that we used in the ODAC tournament here and what we hope to continue to use is just that defense travels. Um, you know, we've worked really, really hard on our defense. Uh, we're not necessarily dependent on one specific score, but kids rising up. And um, we just got teams to play our way this past week. It helps that everybody's tired playing three days in a row. Mm. Um, but I think that's the mentality for us this weekend is we're not going to try to play fast. We're going to try to get the sales to play the way we want to play um, and, and hope for the best with that and, and use our defense as our M.O. Uh, they're playing a different arena than you do. Uh, you've got this new, sprawling, beautiful place that I still want to get to uh, and see a game. The sales uh, much smaller, a little bit more tight and compact place, uh, more of a bandbox, uh, different experience. But at this point, I get the feeling this is just house money at this point. You guys are just looking to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, and I felt that way this past weekend. But I will remind you that we still have Singleton. The hoops are still in there, and it is eerily similar to the sales gym. True, yeah. Um, you know, the cool thing about the Wilkins Center is it helps prepare us when we go down and play at Roanoke, the host of the D3 Final Four for the women. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps when we go to the Cavernous Salem Civic Center. But then we've got Shingleton right in our back pocket as well, and our kids love Shingleton. They miss Shingleton, and, uh, you know, they're not – unfamiliar with the tight quarters and the screaming fans tell me a little bit about this team um we know who the leading scorer is because we can look on a stat sheet you know and it's ashley stone as a junior it's jordan sandrill as a junior it's shannon coon as a junior by the way i haven't mentioned a senior you don't have any seniors uh that's impressive enough but tell us a little bit more than what the stat sheet tells us i think any given night any single kid has been able to step up. I mean, we'll have different leading scorers in any given win or loss, and same thing goes for rebounds. Um, I think, you know, if you're doing a scouting report on us, you, you, you'd be a fool to leave out some of these kids that have scored in double figures at some point because we've had this next man up mentality for a really long time. And whether it's matchup dependent, you know, injury dependent, illness dependent, Whatever dependent, um, our kids have been really ready to be to be the to be the person that can can be the one that gets the call and has the opportunity to have a big game. So at the beginning of this segment, we pointed out that Alex Ritchie announced today out of Oglethorpe that he's going to be a, a father to a son, and people are probably and I made a reference to this is apropos of this segment, and people are probably scratching their heads, going, "What is he talking about?" Um, <laughs> so here's a fun fact: you are nearly eight months pregnant. So I'm quite sure all the emotions and the stress of the ODAC tournament was just what you needed. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost eight and a half months pregnant. Oh, jeez. My, um, my wife was like, ready to kill me at that point at eight and a half months pregnant. How do you handle uh, a team? Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is all I know, and um, <laughs> this is all we know as a family. My wife is the field hockey coach at Shenandoah, and uh, she actually serves on the national committee 
as well for field hockey. So we're listening to Coach Harvey's segment, and she's cringing, having a flashback to her Sunday oh, call. So yeah. thanks, Coach Harvey, for reminding us of that. But I apologize. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I can't tell you how many people said to me this weekend, you know, you should really stop jumping around on the sideline, and you should really whatever. And I'm like – this kid in my belly, and I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, we are ride or die. And the kid, this baby loves the horn, loves the whistle, loves the excitement. And that's all we know. And that's all my son Wells knows. And he's nearly two. And it's just really cool to, you know, have this experience with uh, this little one inside of me. And I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been challenging at points. Um, you know, being this far along and traveling and whatnot. But my team has been unbelievable and just supportive. And my assistant coaches are two of the best humans out there. And, uh, you know, I've been able to make it work because of all those things. Um, I'm glad you mentioned your wife, Ashley, and your son, Wells, because here's the best nugget of this entire story. Back in 2016, your wife, Ashley, at the time, was five months pregnant with Wells. She went on to win an ODAC Field Hockey Championship. You are eight and a half months pregnant with your next child. You have just won an ODAC championship. I'm just saying there seems to be a pattern in your family. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's outstanding. Uh, yeah, we have. Uh, we keep calling it baby magic, and uh, everybody's observed it. You know, it's been pretty cool to have the two scenarios play out where we're using that beautiful ODAC championship trophy to hide our bumps. Um, <laughs> That's well but, done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really great for photography purposes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it, it's been really cool and really special. And, um, you know, a lot of people have also joked that we should continue to have more children. That's that's where I was going to next. Is this put pressure <laughs> on you needing to have more children to guarantee <laughs> championships between the two of you? Um, I don't feel that pressure. <laughs> uh, I don't want that pressure. Coaching basketball is hard enough pressure. <laughs> I do not blame you in any shape, shape or form, but congratulations nonetheless not only on on getting this ODAC championship after what I would argue you would probably say was an okay season at, up until that point. You're into the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. That's outstanding. You're getting to hit the road. You're get, the family's expanding as well. It's just great news all around, and I appreciate the time you took to join us. I'm sure you have better things to do than chat with us. Um, we have a tradition on this show. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? I just want to say this, Dave. I'd probably be asleep right now. Yeah. Uh, now you're making you know, me feel I, really guilty. <laughs> no, I want you to know that you're the one person I would be loving to talk to right now, so I appreciate that. Well, thanks. But, um, no, in all seriousness, I've been a D3 student athlete, a D3 assistant coach, and now a D3 head coach. And, and you've been a mainstay in Division Three hoops through the whole 16 years I've been around. And I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done and continue to do for D3 men's and women's basketball. So thank you, Dave. Well, thank you. I, that means a lot to me. appreciate it. Um, good luck uh, the rest of the way. Just enjoy it at the very least. And uh, maybe name your son uh, Odak? Does that work? I've gotten ready Odak, Salem, and Lucky. And none of uh, those are going to be the names. Don't yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling. Um, well, good luck nonetheless. Enjoy it. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you somewhere down the road. Thank you. Yep, Melissa smells her crap.
There we go. Clicked off my mic by accident. Um, Melissa Smelzer Craft joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by Blue, um, Blue Frame Technology. That is correct. Really appreciate the time uh, to take and we appreciate you coming on the show and appreciate you all tuning in. Coming up, uh, while we were going to wrap up the show shortly, we aren't going to wrap it up without talking to uh, Ryan Scott. He'll talk to us about his thoughts on the bracket, especially after now he's heard from the committee chairs. We talked to Pat Coleman earlier who hadn't heard from the chairs at that point. We'll talk to him. Got a couple other fascinating updates to give you as well. Listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. The final segment of this bracket special. Our schedule is to be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern on Thursday, as we have been in the past. Um, and then we have the Whip Around Show. We'll talk more about that in a bit. That's Friday and Saturday. And then supposedly we're going to do a show Sunday. <laughs> you sense the theme here. We're not done yet. We're trying to pace ourselves through the week. But I'm telling you now, folks, I'm going to do my darndest to take tomorrow off. Probably have no chance to do that at all anyway one quick note and it's interesting you just saw howard herman pop up on my twitter account um he's a big williams follower of course we had um uh tim's um Layden on the show from sports illustrated a williams graduate if you didn't see this you, I, I think people are going to love this 
the starting lineup tonight for your Miami Heat, wearing number 55, and in the middle of your picture there, folks, Mr. Duncan Robinson starting his first NBA game tonight. Congratulations to the man who used to play for the Eves and is now obviously not playing for the Eves. To get the first reaction to that, I bring in my uh, my esteemed colleague. Oh, you popped up on the screen a little early there. Sorry, I mishandled things. Ryan Scott is in. Um, how about that? Duncan Robinson getting a start tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if we should mention that this is the time of the year that teams tank in order to hey, get Ryan, come on, move on, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. It is pretty cool, though. I did find out his contract. He's only allowed to be up for 48 48 days or 48 games it's not it's a limited time that he can be with the heat so he's making the most of the time he's there that's what he's there for yeah no no you you're, you're right there is there is a um a, he's got this special two-way contract right. is the best way i can describe it and i really don't i'm not gonna pretend i know the details on that well that's what i said as i just found that out today that it's, it's i've a been limited in the, I've time covered, he can be there so i've covered sports a long time i don't even know that one all that well um, all right, so we got a bunch of questions that are popping up in here. Um, and it popped up all day. I, you know, one person on Twitter talking about the women's bracket said, I just heard quote unquote tradition as justification for bracket seating more than anything else. Slap in the face. Well, I don't take the word tradition as bracket seating, there ain't no seating. But moving on, you're, you've now heard the committee chairs, I assume. I, I don't want to assume you just sat here and listened yeah. to my show for three hours. Um, but your reactions to what you've now seen and heard? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, so we've seen progress as it comes along. And, and I don't, I feel bad saying the women seem to be a little farther behind than the men. But I, I do think, especially, you know, a decade or so ago, the men were getting the kind of pressure that the women have only more recently been seeing. Um, and it makes sense that the men have maybe gotten dug into it a little more. You had Pat on earlier who talked about geography and the importance of knowing maps. And you had Karen on who mentioned she wasn't very good with geography. You know, it's that sort of thing that it's it's they're doing the best they can. And honestly, I will say Pat and I spent way more time on the women's bracket last night because the geography is just all screwed up. There were so few options. You know, we had to switch a host halfway through. Um just because it was just physically not possible when we put in the teams we thought deserved it. Um, and that's what happens sometimes. And I can imagine they had they had AMCC issues, too, that they had to worry about. Maybe not as much as the men, but uh, sure. yeah. making sure they know who's in there. And at some point you run out of time. <laughs> um, and, and that's what happens. But I think the men's bracket is tremendous. Uh, I think those yeah. guys did a great job. There's only one. One thing that I would personally change, but you can sort of see why they did it. Um, that was the Oshkosh and St. John's meeting. Yeah. The second round. Yeah. I would have switched um, St. John's with Loris um, to have Loris host that. I feel like Loris is, is maybe a, a notch below St. John's. Um, would have just balanced those two out a little bit. But you also see the committee wanted to give St. John's, who won the, the Mayak, a chance to host you know, and they had it, the opportunity to do that. And, and so you certainly understand why they did that. But yeah. out of the entire bracket, that was the only thing I looked at and said, yeah, I might have done that different, which is amazingly impressive. Yeah, no, I agree with you. By the way, Iris Thor says, can Ryan sit further back from the screen? Hashtag creeping me out. He doesn't understand. We like the um, home, the home improvement aspect of you. 
Well, the problem is I can't see what you see. <laughs> and the other problem there we is go. I have yet to get a, an extra oh. camera. So when I go to look at something on my laptop, I get too close to you. <laughs> we'll get you set up sometime. I, I, we will work on that for sure yeah. this offseason. I, I got some ideas to help you out since you've been such an integral part of this show. By the way, Ira Thor, I'm going to do this riskily, but in about five or ten minutes, if you actually want to try and use, come in on YouTube. Well, actually, no, i got to invite him. I can't bring him in on Skype without specifically inviting him. I mean, we might bring in Ira if he's up for it. I but I will, I will have a quick trigger on the man. I will pull him back. We'll bring Ira in because my preview's not up yet, and I have some good news for him, or maybe bad news. So we can Ooh. we can we can Ooh, tease I, that. I like how you tease, sir. <laughs> well done. Um, listen, I will say to you, agreed. We can nitpick things on the men, and I don't know if anybody follows Top Chef. I love Top Chef; it's one of my favorite shows. And they always get to a point late in the year where they are so nitpicky because they have to pick somebody to to kick out. I think we've gotten to the point with the men's committee, at least bracketing, that we are we can nitpick if we need to, but we don't necessarily need to. And I'm talking bracketing because they are doing a pretty good job with everything. And, and I think this is one of the best, if not the best brackets we've had, period. Um, yeah, uh, I think especially with <laughs> how many teams in the West – um, sort of didn't deserve to be in the same quadrant. Um, and the way that those things go, learning now that perhaps Wittenberg was not an option as a host really messes things up too. I mean, to be able to work around that, um, you know, Wittenberg is perfectly placed <laughs> between the Midwest and, and the East. Um, and to not have that available was, was really difficult. I mean, even from the bracketing thing, I was looking at early in the year when Wabash was doing so well. I was excited just for the fact <laughs> we'd have another one right there on the border between Indiana and Ohio you could get teams to. Um, it, it's a hard thing to do and do well um, and and make it even. You know, and they've they've really worked hard at it. Um, I know Sam, Sam <laughs> we've had long conversations about how intentional he is about all of this, and, and they've done a great job. Um, when The only thing I would nitpick with the men on the selections is I, I still feel that too much love is given to a team who goes out there, schedules the heck out of things, but doesn't necessarily prove they can win against such a schedule. And I'm not saying we have to default rubber stamp anybody who has a really easy schedule, well, relatively speaking, an easier schedule and gets more wins. But at some point, we have got to have a serious conversation that, great, great SOS. You did a wonderful job of scheduling, and you got a lot of results versus reaching ranked opponents. But you didn't even win two-thirds of your games. Yeah, I mean, I went back and looked at it now that we have the regional rankings out with the actual teams that were on the board. Um, I do think lacrosse is a strong contender on that board, but in my mind, center should have that spot. Um, I just feel like, you know, lacrosse, we, we were comparing Stevens point cause we thought that was the team that was there. Right. I don't think lacrosse's <laughs> schedule is even as good as Stevens points was, you know? No. Um, and, and we didn't think they were in at that point. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. It's the last pick. Everybody's flawed at that point. And, right. and everybody had a chance to win their way in. So, um, yeah, you know, I just, if we're talking about the very last pick, 
I, I don't I don't agree with it, but you know, that's life. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I think at some point, listen, I, I'm not also saying that LaRoche is is totally innocent here. A fine, I, I know they went and tried to schedule better. I'm gonna be blunt. AMCC has got to figure some things out. It's only going to get worse than the AMCC because they're getting bigger. Well, that's it. Is they they need to look at at going to some sort of different conference schedule if they're going. Agreed. They're adding an extra team. They're already at eighteen games, right? Yeah, they they're going to go to twenty. If they go to twenty, they'll never have a pool C chance. No. I mean, if they had twenty conference games, an undefeated, you know, if, if Laroche would have had one loss and not made it, if they had twenty. 20 conference games. I agree. Um, you know, they, they've got to look at some other way to do it. But the other thing, I had a, a couple of exchanges with some LaRoche fans today and just mentioned, they said if we had scored five extra points against Marietta and won that game, would we be in? And I said, yeah. Yeah. You'd be in. And the You'd have thing, a win. You'd also have a win over a regionally ranked opponent that is one or two in the region, one a little right. further down. But, Yeah. Well, and the other one, even though Hope didn't have the kind of year they had, LaRoche gave up a 10-point lead at the end of the game at Hope. It's a win. It's a win. Right. And when they're that close... You oh, know, and by the way, they at, had a four-point lead with a minute to play in their championship. Right. Well, and you had, you know, Mount Union and Wilmington, I think, ultimately were ahead of them on yes. the, the regional rankings. Yeah. But that was a very close... And Wabash, too, I think. Uh, maybe. It, it was very close. Um, and so a win here or there would really make a difference. But the real difference would be if they were only playing 16 conference games and they had two more Agreed. non-conference that they could go schedule. Agreed. You know, you'd, you'd have the SOS to, to, to prove that you belong there definitively. Well, and, 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 and that's something we got to... Listen, we have the same conversation with the ASC. To some right. degree, we're having the same conversation with the MIAC. Um especially the women who are going away from their schedule and going back to double round robins. You're having the same conversation with these behemoth conferences that leave very little non-conference opportunities. Well, and it's, it's, who is it? ASC. ASC is the best conference in Texas. Generally. Generally. So those recently, teams yeah, can go recent out years, in, yeah. Those teams can go out in the non-conference and play the best teams in the other conferences. The MIAC has the same thing. All those teams can go out and play sort of weaker conferences and rack up that SOS in the Great Lakes. Well, they're looking at AMCC teams to go play. You know, that they're just, it was the same problem Albertus Magnus had forever. Yeah. You know, teams wanted to play them, but their conference was dragging things down. You don't have enough non-conference games. Um, you're just not going to get those numbers. Um, and it's, and I don't think it's the conference itself. It's the number of games they're playing in that conference, which is well, really, I think it's a, a yeah. I think the number of games isn't helping, but there's a combo there because let's be honest, the bottom of the ASC and the bottom of the AMCC ain't worth writing home about. True, but I don't think you can just say, "Oh, we're in a bad conference. We never have a shot at this." No, um, that's true. I agree with you that oh, we I, don't want we don't want to get to a point where we're saying that. No, if no, no, no. Agree. Right. Um, you mean you look at? I, I just think again in New England, you've got the CCC now routinely having multiple teams in or at least contending and 10 years ago that was considered the worst or one of the worst conferences in the region yeah. now granted they're a little smaller now they managed to get rid of some of the weaker performing teams and and it makes them a little bit better but they went on the schedule endicott is playing a difficult schedule every year mm -hmm. um you know gordon has now a little bit better and nichols is there and and you yeah. just have to doing that but the difference is 
You know when they got good? It's when a couple teams left and they had less conference games to play. Right. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the irony is the polar opposite is the, is the NESCAC. Talked to Jeff Brown recently. He's talking about the fact that they're getting worried now that they're going to get into a, a, a tough spot finding games. It's already tough enough for them and that maybe they need to look. And by the way, if they went to a double round robin, it would be insane too. Right. And you look at the other one um, where it can go the other way, the, the MASCAC right. in Massachusetts, they only play 12 conference games. Yep. And so when they're filling out their schedule, they don't have a choice but to play weak teams because there aren't that many teams to play, right. you know, um, and, and that hurts them the other way. So, yeah, I think somewhere 14, 16 is, is kind of the, the place you want to be at um, to really to really utilize your non-conference in, in the way you want to. Um, any other thoughts you've seen from today? Before I get daring enough to bring in Ira Thor. Uh, is he ready to go? Uh, maybe. Um, I, I feel like it, it's done really well. I think the thing is balanced really well. Um, even the way, you know, I, I would say Augustana, in terms of top seeds, maybe has the, the easier quadrant. But they're almost, I mean, they're very likely to have to go on the road the second weekend, which then makes it a little tougher, you know. Um, even And I don't know if that was intentional by the committee or that's just the way things worked out, but that sort of thing helps. You know, Oshkosh didn't get to host the first weekend, but if things sort of go the way that they're most likely to go, they'll get to potentially host the second weekend, even without being the top seed. You know, that kind of thing plays out really amazingly well to balance things for teams that maybe don't have the, the best goal of it the first weekend, um, balance it out the next before we do bring in Ira, by the way, uh, Jay Cozen's asking, can you give us a little whip-around update at this point? Yes, whip-around's coming. You see uh, Ryan, he'll be on the show somewhere over here. Yeah. Um, I like my spot at the end of the table. It's yeah. Nice. Well, we might move you to the side to make, you, make your life a little easier since I'm not sure. We're not sure if Gordon's going to be here or what days he'll be here. Gordon will be there on Saturday. I got yep. that confirmed today. He can't come Friday, but he will be there on Saturday. There we go. Perfect. So we'll do whip around. Now, there was some speculation the men were going to try to go to some offset games to allow kind of the games to stagger. So let's just say for imagine 4, 435, 536, 630 type of starts. You know one of the reasons why it didn't work out? And I'm sure you'll laugh at this, Ryan, because it's been a theme tonight. We can't be playing late Sunday games because it gives the committee very little time to think these things out. So I think if they had more time to figure things out, they may have decided to go that route, but it doesn't look like it's well, going to happen this year. We, we are also going to get some staggered games because we get some games in Pacific time zone. That's true. Well, well yeah, I, if we're still on the air then, well, no, 5.30, 8.30. Yeah, no, that'll work. Yeah, yeah. that'll work nicely. So we'll have some They'll West Coast games and a bunch of Central Region games this year. Yeah. So, yeah, I, we're going to have – We'll have some fun with it. Um, someone writes, uh, Haley writes, I'm interested in Whitman's story. I believe she's talking Whitman. Yeah, Whitman women. Strong strength of schedule, including number one, Thomas Moore. No. And we have three Northwest Conference contenders before. 2013, the season, Whitworth, George Fox, and Whitman made it. Yeah, but here's the thing. You played Thomas Moore. That's great. You also played, correct me if I'm wrong, two or three teams that don't even count in the data. Right, Ryan? Uh, I don't have that one in front of no, me. No, it's all right. I'm calling it up. I just couldn't remember if you remembered it off the top of your head. That one's a tougher one. I'm going to call up the strength of schedule no. in a moment. By the way, the the uh, 
Final regional rankings are up for men. They are still not up for women. I don't know the reason for the delay. I remember we got delayed about two days last year. All right, so on the women's side, they were 20-7. and seven. They played Eastern Oregon, doesn't count. Walla Walla, doesn't count. Montana Tech, doesn't count. Um, and I thought they had another one in there. They don't. So there's three games that weren't even on the schedule. So in reality, they're 17-7 and seven in the eyes of the NCAA. Yeah, That's seven Texas, losses. That's seven Texas losses. Tyler count this year? Texas Tyler still counts, right? Uh, yeah, it still counted for data. Um. You also played uh, McMurray. Eh. You played Pacific. Well, that, that's a conference game. I can't. Uh, Colorado College. Eh. You played Williams. That's okay. You played Northwestern. That's okay. That's it. So you didn't. I'll be blunt, Haley. You didn't have much of a. Uh, Texas Tyler isn't even much of a game either, to be blunt. Um. So Texas Tyler was 13-11. and 11. So you played three games that didn't matter to the committee, and you played another Texas Tyler, McMurray, Colorado College, and another three games that did nothing to the resume. The SOS for Whitman, according to our calculations, was a 556, and that's probably thanks to George Fox and Thomas Moore. But they had, they had seven losses. Actually, they had 19-6. and six. I have it wrong. So they were 19 and 6, which doesn't help them either. Right. One of those non D3s was an exhibition, and right. then they had a win and a loss. But I mean, that's the thing. The women's side, I was surprised at how, how good the records were, how high the winning percentage was for some of these teams towards the end of the pool C, considering. Yeah. You know, considering where we were on the men's side, um, you know, it's really competitive on the women's side, at least this year was. You had to have a stellar record, and you had to have wins over good teams, you know. And and there are a lot of good women's teams that I think in other years would have been in that just didn't have a chance this year because it was really strong. That was so. The other thing, after we finally got a bracket together with Pat, we went back and we found four teams that we had put together that had already played that year, and hmm. we tr- try to avoid that. But we realized like all the best teams have played each other this year. And and that drives the SOS up. You know, it, it really makes it hard for a team like Whitman that doesn't, you know, they're kind of at the mercy of who's willing to fly out there. Um, you know, some years you do better than others. And this year you had to do really well or you weren't getting in. And just on scheduling, not even on wins. You had to schedule really well or you weren't getting in. Um, I, I just think the people up there understand there's no, this West East Coast bias thing is driving me insane, by the way. Uh, there's another person who commented that Claremont Mudd Scripps should have uh, been in the tournament um, with their resume. Actually, I'm on the rankings. I want to make sure they didn't get updated while I was talking. Uh, they did not. Of course not. <laughs> um, I, w- I want to look up Claremont Mudd Scripps because they also were one of these teams that – but their SOS was a 516. Well, and the other thing we need to remember, so one of the arguments you hear all the time from people is, well, my team could have beaten half these teams in the tournament, which is, which is true. Because we have 43 automatic bids. Yeah. And the way that it works is the last Pool C bid is usually going to be ranked higher than half the teams in the tournament. Oh, absolutely. So, yes, you can be better than half the teams in the tournament and not get in. That's just how it works. This tournament <laughs> is not the best 64 teams. No right. tournament that I know of, even in the professional ranks, is the best teams. It's not how it's designed. 
not when you're giving away AQs. Now listen, in the professional ranks, when a team can get in because they win their division, even though they have a worse record than five other teams who can't get in, it's not the best teams there either. And I just I think people get stuck on that, and it's harder for it's hard to understand. I Nothing against I Whitman. I, I know they're a good team, but they also had three chances at at George Fox and lost two of them. And they had one other game against a regionally ranked opponent in Thomas Moore and got smoked by them. They didn't play anybody else regionally ranked. They had three games that didn't count and three games that gave them no help. I, I it's hard. You got to you got to get rid of those non D three games. And the men's program has. The men's program plays an entirely D3 resume. Well, I don't know. It's the best I can give. And the, and the thing that I think has helped the men is they've stopped. They've totally gotten away from the, you know, we're, we're stuck on an island here. The excuses. You talk to any of those coaches, and I talked to six of them this year for that piece I did on the Northwest Conference, and they all say, yeah, we're in a difficult spot. We have challenges other teams don't. But we're gonna we're gonna overcome that, right. you know. I even mentioned playing the non D three schools, and one of the coaches said, "No, we've worked hard to get those off our schedule." Yeah, I'm bringing in Ira Thor for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Hi, Ira. Ryan, are you okay? We oh, there you are. No, I'm here. We lost. We have Ira. Ira, are you there? He's there. Have you figured out how to him. use a microphone? Ira. I am not hearing you guys. It's called we can speakers. hear you. Check the settings and turn on the speakers. I am not hearing you guys. All right. Figure out the speaker setting. <laughs> Very interesting. Folks, this is this is why we don't bring I'm not Ira hearing you guys. I'm sorry. All right. Figure out the speakers, sir. I'm gonna remove him from the call temporarily. Jeez. I mean, he's seriously. On, he's on mute. All right. Um, something I want to tease. Thursday's show, Ryan doesn't know this yet, but you better learn how to record, sir. Um, I'm going to try. I, I am not going to predict who makes the Final Four, at least on the men's side, because I'm broadcasting the games. But I would love to get some of our friends, like Ryan and Pat and Bob and others, we're going to reach out to some. And have them predict on video quickly who they think is going to be in the championship weekend. And we're going to run that on Thursday. Mine's written down. It'll be up probably That's later fine. Tonight. I still need a video <laughs> version of it. And it gives you a backup plan in case you want to change your mind. I can pick the crazy ones. Last year I got my pick edited by Gordon. So Yes, yours did. And luckily it, it Gordon's decision ended up being correct. But I kid you not, there was a point in that game I went, oh, ho, ho, ho. Yes, but are you willing to go that far again this time? No, I'm I'm picking largely chalk this time. I think some of these strong teams. Um, do you want me to just? I, I can't lay it all out because uh, we have a we have a preview that will be posted at some point. But um, I I don't see a ton of upsets um, in this tournament. Uh, maybe maybe early on. Of course, I last year I picked Wash U and they lost in the first game. So. What do I know about anything? Um, By the way, someone going back to the Whitman conversation said, hey, um, would it be great to see Whitman women at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Vegas? You know. There's something their men go to. Seems like a fun tournament. I've never, I've I've not gotten an invite yet, but it seems like a wonderful party, and I would highly suggest it. I wouldn't say party. 
Dude, you think I'm punchy now? You should see us do three sets of uh, five or six games in a day. We'll talk about yeah, punchy. Yeah, I saw the. I saw the post on the the open games board today where Pat said they were hoping to get 10 men's teams there next year. I said, good luck, guys. (laughs) We've done that. We've had 14. All right. Um, I don't think I was going to make it. Um, I can, I can. Yeah. I'll spoil one little thing and and mention I've got, I've got Oshkosh as the runner up again this year. Wow. I do think they have one of the most difficult paths, but I think that team is good enough to, to see it through. The biggest one I'm concerned with is St. John's. Uh, that's a bad matchup for Oshkosh, but if they can get by that one, I think they got a chance. Uh, Ira Thor. You're going to have to read uh, when Pat gets the preview up. Um, I'll drop this little nugget. I made a change in my top 25. Did you put NJCU in it? I did. But that right. wasn't the change. I changed my number one vote. Oh. And I'm glad to say three others did too. I went with I went with uh with Whitman. Yeah. Um they're pretty good. Yeah, my my thinking was Whitman's continuing to play strong and Nebraska Wesleyan is playing in too many close games. That is Part of the reason why I have Oshkosh coming out of that group. <laughs> uh, oh, you're I saying just, great minds well, think alike? Is that what I'm hearing? I'm just saying I feel like they don't have the air about them that they they. I mean, obviously they didn't when the tournament started last year, but pretty quick in that first game we sort of said, "Oh, oh, these guys are playing really well right now," um, and they were dominant. Yeah. And uh, I, I agree that that. Whitman feels a little more like that, and Whitman has a little bit better path to get where they're going. So I can understand that. At this point, though, I think it's close enough that I'm still going to just keep with the champs until they're not the champs anymore. Um, I don't blame you. It's a legitimate. I had thought about going with Augustana, too, until they lost. So, uh, And then I had NJCU on my bracket, and then I dropped them. Oh. I'm kidding. I put them in my top 25 this time. Can you hear us now, Ira? I can hear you just fine now. My, oh. Mac, my MacBook decided not to work. So, Oh, it decided not to work. I'm yeah, only... Or the operator. Only, I'm yeah. only teasing a couple a couple of the previews elements from, from the bracket preview that I will be published later on, but I do have NJCU emerging from this first weekend um, getting out of that getting out of that putt. So I don't know if this is a good news or a bad news that I picked them, but uh, I think your team's got a good shot. And, and I feel like not winning the conference is actually a help to them. I think it may take a little bit of the pressure off for those guys. What do you think? I think it's energized some of the guys. I mean, see, they were pretty disappointed. That was actually the biggest, went back and checked our record books. That was the biggest home crowd we've ever had for a game in the history of the building which is 26 years old. So that's, that says something about the excitement level that was around the team this year. But, you know, it, it's disappointing. Anytime that you get that far and you have such lofty expectations and you don't come out as the conference championship, I, I think the guys have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And you have six seniors on the team. And we're, we're pretty well balanced, freshman to senior. But you have six seniors on the team, I think, that have a little bit of a, you know, now or never mentality because, you know, let's face it, one more loss, and that's the end of their college careers. But, 
I, I'll tell you this, looking at the bracket today, and we were looking at it, we were watching it together as a group in, in our building. Um, I'm really impressed with the bracket overall. I thought Sam Atkinson and his entire committee did a fantastic job. You know, I, every year since I've been involved with you guys, which is, you know, almost 20 years now, that, you know, there's always one or two regions that are like, wow, that's bracket of death or whatever name has been given to it. But as I, I look at it here on my screen, I just don't see it this year. The balance across the board, I think they did a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, are you headed out to Marietta? I will be on the bus Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m., 493 miles, seven more miles we could have flown. So um, and three less miles than Alfred. So whatever. Have you, have you been to Marietta before? I've never been to Marietta. Oh, buckle up, sir. It is <laughs> it is one of the best game day experiences I've ever had, and I was only there in November. So who's your I, first you, game again? You We're guys playing Arcadia. Okay, so you get to you don't have to deal with the uh, insanity. And I'm going to tell you now, pray for an upset. That's what I picked, by the way. I picked Maryville over Marietta and then NJCU over Maryville. That's my, that's my tease. Marietta's okay. town shows up Yeah, an hour well, and a half before the game. We, so this is our second trip out there this year. So I wasn't on the trip. Well, you December. went out to Worcester. They went out to Worcester, which was their first trip out to Ohio in about 20-something years. I was actually out with Dave. At the Hoopsville class, uh, the uh, D3 Hoops Classic in Vegas, so I missed that trip. But it's just funny we hadn't gone out there since the early '90s, mid '90s, and now we're back out there. You know, two months later, and you know, I think the guys are pretty excited. And it's actually, you know, it's actually really interesting. Uh, Brian Granada, who is the Arcadia AD, real good friend of mine from his old SID days. He, we, we have a, a group chat, a bunch of bunch of sort of friends, and he texted me in the group about two or three weeks ago and said he's predicting an NJC Arcadia NCAA matchup, and he nailed it right in the head. That's yeah. awesome. It'll, it'll also be a good cultural experience for your guys, too. That's going to be a whole different world. <laughs> well, how about a nine-hour bus ride each way? That's a cultural experience right there. Hey, uh, bring the drama, I mean, it is uh, mountainous. Yes, I've, I've been out that way before years ago, but never with a basketball team, and this will be a challenge to see uh, how much work can you get done on the bus? Did you guys correct me if I'm wrong? Did you guys win the conference championship last year or did Ramapo? No, we've lost in the finals two of the last three years. Okay. Ramapo had won back to back titles. That's right. And and then obviously Roan upsetting us on, on Friday. I've just the record. Uh, Ryan doesn't know this. I believe I've put a, a finger on why you guys didn't win. What was that? There were balloons ready to drop from the Raptors. <laughs> You've heard about that. Uh, we you don't about, do that. We had about 500 green and gold balloons that right now I don't know what to do with them. You could have made them generic colored for any of the winners, and you probably would have won. Well, I mean, we were debating what to do with them today, so my joke was to you know, go drop them off at SB Gymnasium down in Glassboro. Ooh. That'll be interesting. Is there another green and gold team somewhere around we can share them with? Or would we... <laughs> Skidmore? Yeah, Skidmore. That's true. Um, well, I'm actually ready to wrap up. I just thought I'd have Ira on for the fun of it. Any final thoughts you guys have on, on what we saw on both the men's and women's side of things as uh, we uh, head towards um, a big show on, on uh, 
this weekend? Well, on the men's side, I mean, I'm look again, I was looking at the bracket here and, you know, I think there's some amazing matchups here and, you know, you know, first of all, I was happy to see Ramapo get in. I think it's, you know, there's some years where, you know, obviously in the Atlantic region, you could say the end Jack isn't, you know, as, as strong as it is other years. I think this year was the one year where we deserve to have three teams in. So I'm, I'm happy it's a three bid uh, year and it kind of just, goes to show that if you do schedule hard and i think us and roan and rampo all did that you know at the end of the year you will sometimes if it all works out be rewarded but you know as i look at the bracket here you know it's interesting um i i, I like the mit skidmore matchup that was one of the ones that for me for some reason just popped off the page yeah i'm interested to see what happens there um albertus magnus you know we saw them earlier this year um and you know they are a fast athletic team. Um, and I'm not saying that they're going to upset Christopher Newport, but, you know, that could be one of those surprises. You know, I was impressed with what I saw from them earlier in the year. And obviously they withstood a challenge there from, from uh, St. Joe's late in the year. And there was one other game that really popped up. I think it was Capital Platteville, I think was the other game. Yeah. Um, that for some reason I'm just, just piques my interest very much. And, you know, it's funny, you know, you're sending uh, Baruch out to Worcester, you know, Baruch off their, you know, pretty, pretty uh, exciting win there in, in the CUNYAC final. You know, you know, two, the two teams that are closest to New York City, both coming out to Ohio. Yeah, I mean, Baruch was one I was going to point out just because Worcester has the excitement of being able to host, which they didn't expect. And... You know, they've got Aston Francis sitting on the other side of that pod. I could see them maybe not quite being ready for how good Baruch is. You know, that, that Cuniac doesn't get a lot of play, but I think that team is pretty strong, especially on the defensive end. And, um, you know, Worcester likes to play it slow, and I could see that one being close late. And who knows if there's another football play or a three from the floor or whatever else Baruch yeah. is going to pull out to make that work. As I said last night, they now got to run a football play that results in a guy sitting on his rump and hitting the three-pointer. Right. I don't know if you hike it, hike it through your legs into the basket or something. I don't, I don't know how that works. But. And something, by the way, that just amazes me just about the way that the Division Three season can change. You know, Whitworth, a team that, you know, earlier this year, I had them at one point number two in my bracket. And the C... So it's just dramatic to see what could happen in the second half of the year. Well, yeah, and when you don't build a resume. That's it. You know, they're still a good team. They're not as good as we saw them in Vegas. They're still a good team. But they didn't build a resume that that warranted consideration. You've got to go out there. We had this conversation with the Whitman women here. You've got to go out there. And I know Whitworth comes to the D3Hoopstown.com Classic. I know they had a game against Texas-Dallas, and I and it didn't go their way. But they also took two losses in a conference. If, if you don't have other ways to bolster the resume, you can't go and trip up in the conference. Yeah, and you well, can't. You got to get one win against Whit, Whitman. I wonder if they had gotten one win over Whitman if this conversation's different. Yeah, I think so. The other thing to look at now, especially Sam brought it up again, I think today or yesterday, Whit. <laughs> Whitworth's non-conference SOS was under 500. Yeah. And, you know, you may get a bad year where the teams you play are having off years, but if you're scheduling the right teams, even on their off years, they're going to be over 500, right? True. And so 
And so that's what you have to be looking at. You can't schedule a team that's normally 500 and get stuck with a bad year. You got to schedule the teams that win um, so that even when there is a bad year, you can maybe make up for it in conference. And, and Whitworth just didn't have enough. I was having I a, co- a conversation with a team on the women's side uh, who's coach. And here's the other thing. It's amazing how many coaches don't understand how this works. And this coach, <laughs> granted, younger and in, in less experienced, but didn't know how this works. And I had to explain why two games against an opponent out of conference didn't help. Why a game, a trip to a, a certain part of the country to play a, a team that wasn't even considered in the rankings and another that's a below 500 team doesn't work. Why adding another conference opponent for a non-conference game doesn't work. And, and that you've got to go out there and do something. And if your school is limiting you, and, and we understand that can happen, Schools can say, we're not going to give you the budget to travel. Okay, if that's what they're doing, then you need to understand then what your situation is. Win or get in. Win and get in. You can't complain when you're limited by some process. And you've, you've heard Jeff Brown complain how hard it is for Middlebury to get a game. I can attest. I got family there. It is a beautiful part of the country. Oh, absolutely. You can give him a call right now. He will schedule you, and I guarantee that will help your SOS. Yeah, he'll play you right now. He's got 14 games. Book him. Um, I'm glad you said that. We may give them a call. Rose yeah. looking for games. Absolutely. They've got 14 games to schedule. They have more games to schedule than some teams have in conference. So, so Ira, this year, they already had a home-and-home with Swarthmore, so they had to come down to Philly. They scheduled another game in Philly the weekend before. They made that trip back and forth from Middlebury twice over the Christmas break and went to Buffalo. I, mean, I was going to say, and, and, <laughs> and fit in a, a Western Pennsylvania and Buffalo game in the process. No, we'll, we'll give them a call. We'd love to have a home and home with Middlebury. I mean, you've seen what we've done, and we, you know, yeah. four, five, six years ago, we weren't doing this, and that's why we weren't getting these at large bids. And now we've gotten in three years in a row. You know, we play Albertus Magnus every year. They're the best team in their league. We play Farmingdale State. They've won the skyline several times now. We went out to Worcester, tried to challenge ourselves out there. So yeah. it, it it does pay off this time of the year if you do trip up in your conference tournament. And you know, well, more teams I think that get that long term and sometimes you know it's you're making educated guys because oh absolutely absolutely you might miss one you absolutely might miss one no we scheduled we went down to eastern mennonite this year because eastern mennonite has had some pretty good years lately and we thought it'd be a good tournament to go to and they ended up you know not being as good as they typically are so but well you're not always gonna be right there but to some degree that's what laroche got into they got into a scenario where they did john carroll was on their schedule they had some other scenarios but they also don't have a lot of games. Uh, and so the, I feel bad. That's where I feel bad for LaRoche because I think they did try. They didn't have it go their way. But again, they had it in their in control. They led they by four points with less than a minute to play in the conference championship game. Or they could have found the power breaker and just <laughs> killed the lights altogether and gotten the AQ that way. I'm just saying there were choices. They had the, they had the options. <laughs> it's just funny that two years in a row now I've left Las Vegas with a team in my mind that was surely going to be in the NCAA yeah. tournament. Whitworth this year, last year Ohio Wesleyan, yeah. and neither made it. Yeah, Ohio Wesleyan nearly did, you know, coming back at the end. But I agreed. Yeah, it's it, I I had the same thought. Well, I had a Hopkins too. I thought Johns Hopkins was a darn good team coming out of there. I thought they had recovered from I agree. the injury. I thought they were gonna they're gonna play well. And they ended up getting stuck behind Mary Washington in the regional rankings and not even considered because they took a bunch of bad losses in conference. Yeah, 
I hear you. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much for joining me, and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys down the road. Very good, Dave. Good. I'll see you on Friday. I will see you on Friday. Yes, sir, sir. Take care. Ira Thor and Ryan Scott joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline on Skype. And with that, we will wrap things up now. I uh, appreciate you all tuned in. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, appreciate the committee chairs coming on, Sam Atkinson and um, Karen Harvey. want to also thank the sports information directors especially because pulling off interviews on a day like today is a little bit more challenging than on any normal day. So I do want to thank uh, the, the sports information directors that we got so much help from at the last minute from UW Lacrosse, Chatham, Mount St. Mary, and Shenandoah. And, of course, their, um, their coaches, Kent Dernbach from Lacrosse, Dave Richards from Chatham, uh, Mike Coppolino, sorry, from Mount St. Mary, and Melissa Smelzer-Craft from Shenandoah. Appreciate them coming on. Appreciate all you tuned in, too. We did a ton of broadcasting this weekend. Appreciate all of you who tuned in. We had a lot of you. We'll be back on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Don't know the start for whip around, but I, I got a feeling it's going to be around 5 o'clock on Friday. We'll figure that out as we get closer and see all the official times. Uh, Ryan Scott will join us, and then Gordon Mann the next day. Stay tuned with us at D3 Hoops and D3 Hoopsville to find out where we will have those programming. And hint, hint, if it all goes well and things look okay, we might even do a whip around the second weekend for one of those days. We'll see. Um, and with that, we wrap this one up. Uh, if you don't hear from me tomorrow, it's okay. I've, I've logged off for a day, if that's all right with you. Um, but we'll see if that is the truth, because sometimes I say that, and then I don't do it. Again, I put my top 25 in. I changed my number one vote. I put Whitman as my number one team. Nebraska Wesleyan ended up my two. I ended up going Oshkosh, Augustana Oshkosh and Randolph-Macon to round out my top five. I removed LaRoche, center. I'm sorry, let's back that up. I removed LaRoche, center, Whitworth, Lynchburg, and Rochester from my top 25. I added Rowan, Oswego, Emory, New Jersey City, and Arcadia to my top 25 and moved a lot of other teams around. I'm not going to get that blog, but maybe at some point we'll get it tweeted. And with that, we sign off. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you want to watch Division Three basketball, you got to watch this show, obviously. you got to listen to me. Yeah, it's a catch-22 on which one you might enjoy the most. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. I want to thank our partners with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, of course, the City of Salem and the City of Fort Wayne. Buy your tickets online for both championship weekends and join us to see who's going to be crowned a champion in 2019. also want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology for their support and sponsorship of the hotline. And, of course, want to thank Wisconsin Eau Claire and Randolph Macon for their support as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville. See you on Thursday. Enjoy the tournaments, everybody. Good night.